Network. Hi, this is Stephen Turek from the Freebooters Network. Today we bring you another episode of Ego, the 80s geek out. We hope you enjoy the show. Episode 14 of Ego, the 80s Geek Out podcast. My name is Ian Clark, and I am joined, as always, by the snake eyes to my storm shadow, Mr. A. Bradford Anderson. Brad, how are you? Good morning, sir. How are you, and how's all that snow you guys got there? <laughs> yeah, we uh, we got a lot of snow. We got more than two feet of snow. Um, what? Yeah, yeah, I think it was... Snow? <laughs> yeah, it was like 27 inches, I think. It was the most that I remember in a long time. I remember... Probably maybe 1999. It was I know it was it was in a two year window because it was when we lived in Hooksit, uh, New Hampshire, and right. we lived in a condo there. And I remember we got a huge one there where the we had a deck on the back and then windows, big like floor to ceiling windows, and the um the snow was just so far up you could oh. barely see out the windows. So. Oh my god! And I and I saw the video of wow, one of your dogs or your dog jumping through the snow like a rabbit, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Leo, he was having a great time with that. He's yeah, very the other happy. <laughs> yeah. The other two dogs, we have a, we have an older dog. She didn't really want to go out in it. And then the we have a younger dog, the Leo and Ripley, the two younger dogs are only, are both 2 years old and uh she like she likes the snow, but she's a little beagle mix, so she's small. So she was like, I'm not going to But Leo, she's yeah, he was, lost very, yeah, did you? <laughs> yeah, he was just bringing around through the snow. It was pretty it was funny. Um nice. Yeah, and he's the cool thing is he's like the the driveway has since been plowed and everything. So that was that was them running around in the driveway. That's right. been plowed since then. But uh, on the lawn part, he's actually plowed some trails himself. Like he, there's little trails all through the front lawn where, awesome. where Leo is kind of broke, <laughs> broken ground. So it's kind of funny. Yeah, he's got his own little burrowing. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's cold too. It was I went down to um, shovel out the uh, the mailbox because the <laughs> the, our postal person, if like if they can't get drive right up next to it and open the thing, they will not leave our mail. So, um, okay, <laughs> yeah. So I had to go down and um, shovel out, and uh, I came back. You get hot when you're doing that, obviously. But you sure. know, I went down and I was like, oh man, it's cold. And then I went back in the house to warm up when I was done, and I was like, what? What is the temperature? Because it's really, it was one. It was one degree. Oh my God. I mean, it's funny because I know we've talked about this before, but since moving to California, you know. My blood is thinned out, as most people's do at a different yeah. latitude here, and like 60 degrees is my threshold point now, which is terrible, <laughs> because I used to be able to handle, you know, oh, it's one degree out, I can handle that, it's not comfortable, I'm glad I'm inside. 60 degrees out here, or below, it's it's a nightmare. I'm like, I'm, I'm like right now wearing a fleece, I probably shouldn't be wearing a fleece, but I'm wearing a huge fleece. It's just, uh, it's one of my unfortunate things that has happened biologically to me i've gotten i've become uh weather weak as i call it out here so <laughs> it is weird how that happens um very weird yeah because yeah, i mean you used, to, you used to ski and stuff like that yeah. right so, yeah right bury myself in snowbanks and snowmobile and cross-country ski and all that and now it's like the you know when i was seeing all the pictures come in of the snow from you know upper new england now not that i was getting full-on ptsd but i was getting a little bit of ptsd they're like oh my god that's not stopping and that looks like a lot of snow <laughs> yeah it stayed mostly to the south because like up in maine like where where my wife's parents live and stuff in norwich they only got a few inches so it's it, so yeah, you got, it stayed. yeah so that part of new hampshire and southern maine got pummeled 
Yeah. 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 It was, yeah. It was crazy. But the, and again, the, because the, the weather on the planet is so fucked up now, right. it's going to be 45 degrees on Christmas. Sure. Yep. And so. that'll be melting down and warm yep. and you guys will be having a picnic outside. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a mess right now, but, um, I, I, I don't mind the snow. It's, and especially now because everyone's gotten so used to working at home, I, I rarely right. work at home, sure. but on, you know, whatever that what was that Thursday, I, you know, we had, when I woke up at six 30 in the morning, we had 10 inches already. So my car wasn't leaving the driveway. Right. So right. I was just able to text my supervisor and be like, Hey, I can't make it in. I'll just work from home. And you know, that's totally cool now, which right. is, which is good. That's a nice option. So yeah, yeah, totally. That is kind of what one of the hopeful benefits of the new norm that will continue on after things if they do normalize in our uh you know in our system of work that you know we can work more remotely than previously yeah yeah i think that's definitely the the wave um but um yeah no so i don't mind the snow it's you know sometimes it's an inconvenience if you're trying to get somewhere but i didn't i I stay you know stay home work from home the kids obviously had a snow day so they didn't have to go anywhere amy didn't have right. anything planned for as far as work meetings outside of the home so everything was fine we just hunkered down and just watched it snow like crazy awesome. so <laughs> great yeah so we are going to talk about gi joe which is near and dear to both of our hearts uh but before we do that something else very near and dear to our hearts is star wars and yesterday was the as we record this, yesterday was the premiere of the season finale for season two of The Mandalorian. We have both uh, digested it. I've seen it twice. I don't know if you watched it multiple times. I did watch it a second time. Thank you. <laughs> so spoilers for that. By the time this comes out, it'll you know have been out for well over a week or more. So you know, but if for whatever reason, maybe you started Mandalorian late, you're not up to uh, all the way caught up. Whatever. There's spoilers for the end of season two, right? Coming up, so. um, wow. I right? just, I, mean. <laughs> I like, like I said, I very rarely cry for anything anymore that's related to entertainment, and that brought me to tears. Yeah, me too. Yep, what it really an ending. did. What an ending! I mean, I sat there like I'm, I'm just gonna the floodgates are opening, and it's gonna happen, and it happened, and it was. We'll jump right in as soon as we saw the as soon as I saw the Tie Fighter, my my radar went off like, what is going on here? That, sorry, you mean the X Wing, Luke's X Wing? Sorry. Yes, the X-wing as it was flying past the yeah. the uh, uh, Indians, yeah. yes, ship, unbelievable. Yeah, I, same thing. I because there was a lot of speculation. Some people did say, "Oh, it, you know, what if it is Luke?" And a lot of people were thinking it was it was Ezra from the Rebel series, and or maybe even another. I, I didn't think it would be a Jedi. We didn't know that wouldn't have any impact. Right. You know, it might be cool if we got a Jedi character that we didn't know that they could develop. But I think for it to have the emotional impact, it had to be somebody we knew. Mm-hmm. It had to be someone either that we thought was dead. Um, you know, from, from Order 66 or, or it had to be huge and be Luke. And so there was a lot of speculation going in. And then even I, I was reading on Reddit the, like the post, um, post episode discussion and a lot of people thought even the X-Wing was a bit of a swerve and they were going to, you know, trick us with someone else. And then people sure. were like, no, when I saw the green saber or I saw the black glove, but yeah. I felt pretty strong when the X-Wing came in that I was like, oh, that's Luke. 
Right. And, I, and I, as the X-Wing came through, I was looking to see who was riding co-pilot, and I couldn't quite, because it happened fairly fast. Couldn't and they see. made it fuzzy. I, I tried they to pay did. attention on the yeah. second time through and to I, see, see yeah. R2 or not. Right. Is that R2? And then, uh, and then you know, I, I paused it for a second, but again, you know, even when it went up close to the screen, it's not, they did a very good job of just obscuring it just enough so you're not 100% certain what's going to happen next, but you have a, but you have a feeling. And right now, as I'm, as we're saying, as I'm saying this to you, I'm looking over your shoulder and I see Luke, uh, in the, <laughs> from the Jedi in the same outfit that he wore, uh, that we saw last evening. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always feel bad talking about stuff since we're not on a video podcast stuff that you can't actually see, but I have, uh, in the basement, um, uh, where I record, I have three posters that are, a, 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 apparently German by a German artist uh, they're they're very cool. I'll try I'll try and find them. That, here's the thing. Here's what I love about them. I bought them at Dragon Con one year as a set. I had never seen them before. I have never seen them since. They I, not even online. So I will try and find, or I could I could obviously post a picture to our yeah. Facebook page. But um, they're really cool because they each have a central circular um image in the background for New Hope and Return of the Jedi, it's the Death Star, the respective yep. Death Star for each of those films. For It's interesting what they did with Empire. I don't really get why they did It's like a big round, reddish, orange circle, almost like a sun. Right. And then there's a large central Jedi figure. You've got Obi-Wan for New Hope, Vader for Empire, and Luke for Jedi. Yes. And then there's a whole bunch of smaller ones underneath, like you know Han and Leia and right. things like that. They're very, very cool artwork posters. Um but yeah, I've not I've not seen those. That's wild that they, yeah. they're so limited that you. I mean, that's wonderful. You can't find them. That means that's a, you made a smart purchase in the collectible world because if they if they're almost virtually non-existent, that's really cool. Yeah, I almost wonder if they were unlicensed and maybe that's why I haven't been able to to find them since. Uh, because I've had people like visit my house and um, and say, "Oh, where did you get those?" And I was like, "Well, here's the thing." <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so, uh, but yeah, so. And and just just seeing Luke at the height of his powers, just oh. wrecking dark troopers was oh amazing. my god, right? I mean, he plowed through them, and <laughs> you know the the laser blocks, the moves, the 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 using the the power of the Jedi to shift them off screen against walls, and then the last one was like watching him go to town on a aluminum can. That was just <laughs> incredible. It was ultra yeah. violence in the best possible use of the force to save, which was which was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, and then you obviously get the emotional scene with um, Din Djarin removing his helmet, so yeah. Grogu can can see him and for then the first the face, time. The face touch and the kind of like you know having been obscured for two full seasons, um, and us really only this season finally getting to see. Uh, what his face looks like beneath the mask, and then finally Grogu is the last of the character lines to actually, who's been prevalent through the entire series, to be able to see him firsthand and up close was was quite remarkable. Yeah, yes, just a just a phenomenal episode, great season overall. Really leaves you wondering what next. You know, are they now? Does it shift focus to reclaiming Mandalore and all of that? Right. I, I, they're not Disney's not dumb. Grogu will be back. It's not like right. that's the last. So that that character has even people that don't watch The Mandalorian know who that character is. He's just right. everywhere. So so they'll bring him back. Uh let's talk about the post credits scene. Oh my god. Yeah, that one sent a second wave of chills down my <laughs> spine as we see uh two 
current characters descending down a very familiar stairwell into a former hut stronghold. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fine. I managed to not have anything spoiled. I had to work all day, and then um, uh, yeah, I, I watched it probably around. It was after dinner, like six or seven last night. I managed to not have it spoiled. I did have one person message me just to say, "Hey, there's a post-credit scene, so just just stick yeah. around for that," which is good yeah, because I, I I generally watch through anyway because I love the artwork. They show the the yeah, artwork after. It's really cool. Yeah. No artwork in this one, so I might have been like, "Oh, okay," and I might have stopped. So, right? so I was, no, no, it's that's good. You know, because I wasn't expecting that was a complete blindside of oh my god. <laughs> yeah, so – and they start with the twin sons of Tatooine. You're like, oh, okay, it's Tatooine, and then it shifts, and you're like, oh, that's Jabba's palace. And then you yeah. see the uh, the bloated Bib Fortuna, the former – Fortuna's uh, so bloated. I mean, <laughs> my God, he has gotten fat off his former boss's uh, demise. It was incredible. Yeah, and subtle things that they've done there too. You, you don't see a ton of – you just see the throne room there, right. but you get the sense through this, the subtlety of it that – Bib Fortuna, he, he's not like Jabba was. There's no. not like a major, you know, large court of yeah. of denizens in there. There's maybe a dozen at most. Right, it was a very small grouping of them, plus the Gamorrean yeah. guards as well. So, yeah, uh, and again, you know, Disney uses what they want from past, what they call legends now, um, right. past materials. But there was a great, there's a great series of books that they did for Star Wars um, called Tales From. There's Tales From the Cantina. There's Tales From Jabba's Palace. There's Tales of the Bounty Hunters. And I think there's one other one that I didn't read. I, I own those first three that I mentioned. Right. And they're all short stories. And in Tales From Jabba's Palace, there's a bunch of Jabba's um, like court that escape. They escape on another skiff. Um, right. And the, the cool thing is, in Jedi, you only see the barge blow up from one side, sure. so it's like, oh, there were launch to like launch things, like people escaping out the other side. So, and right. it was in this book that Bib Fortuna survived and went to take over Jabba's palace. Interesting. So, okay, that's that's okay. So that's how they built that that portion of the canon to carry some of these character lives forward. Then, fantastic. Yeah. So that was really cool to to see that and. Um, yeah, just completely unexpected, and then the and the music too. I don't know if you noticed the music. The music when he sits on the throne, and then um, yeah. you see Fennec grab like a drink and sit next yeah. to him. I was like, this is gonna be badass. Right. It's, this is gonna be royalty. And you know, as when they both passed over the Rancor pit, I'm like, I thought to myself, I, yeah. are they go? Did they not replace the Rancor? Because they, I was going through my <laughs> mind. We remember what Luke did to it, and we remember what it did to the Gamorrean guard that fell in there. Yeah, I literally um, said, it, don't stand on that. Don't stand <laughs> on that. And then I was, you know, and then is. Is Bib Fortuna going to be as nefarious as to, to trick people to stand on on the, uh, the 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 false floor? Wasn't the case, but the music complimented him when he moved the body off the throne, just kind of like pushing it off to the side. He sat down, and then we see was the what the was the Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, and that again, that just that end that end that was enough of an end credit at that moment to send a third wave of chills down my spine. Wow. I mean, so, I mean, hopefully we're going to see an entire new series, or do you think, yeah. the, or they're, I, okay, they're going to spiral off into series. their own. I think it's, I think good it's a new because series. Dave Filoni and John Favreau clearly understand um, a such an important character that didn't get a lot of screen time in the original, you know, in, in two films is now, or three films of the case with the re-release, is now going to be a 
given his own series to go in an entirely wild and new different direction and be able to have crossovers, which I think is fantastic because we need to see more of these characters that got very little screen time in life in the world that we got to see back in the day growing up in the films, but to be able to see now storylines with proper technology, placing it back in that time frame. So we're just, it's like we're getting everything we always wanted, but didn't get back in the day. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think what Filoni and John Favreau do so well is there's a difference between fan service and just sticking a character in there right. just to do it. Sort of like what Lucas did with the special editions of New Hope. He insert, reinserted the Jabba yes. scene with Han and yeah. they and he threw Boba Fett in there. And yes. that was just a quick nod. And I didn't mind that, but that's no. that's it was just kind of a and that was I guess, you know, like you said, fan service, but they're doing it in this way to explore characters that everyone loved and fell in love with and were just, they were kind of passing and fleeting in our, in the star Wars world for us. But now that all the, everything is aligned properly for them to do it correctly. What, what is it like a million dollars an episode? Is that what it? it yeah. Roughly? It's something crazy. They're putting about a ton. Of yeah. But they're, you're right. They're, they're, this isn't just like, oh, let's throw Boba Fett back in here. No. You are getting so much more yeah. about him than we ever did, and, yeah. and and it's an expansion on his character and other characters too. I mean, yes. and, you know, it could have been it could have been fan service just to bring in Luke, but it was done right. perfectly. It perfectly. was yeah. And then now you have questions. It's like, okay, did so Grogu survived the purge right. of the younglings and everyone else at the temple in the right. in Revenge of the Sith, right? It, what happens when Kylo Ren in the sequels kills Luke's – I mean, is, is Grogu involved in that? There's more storytelling branching out of that. Yes. R2's reaction to seeing him. Did right. He, did he remember him from the temple? Right, right. Like there's there's tons of stuff here that can be explored, and I think that's awesome. And I, I think there is that potential for too much Star Wars because they've announced so many. But, but I also think right. – I think the Cassian Andor series, I think that's yeah. got to be only one season. There's ver- there's a very finite amount of time sure. leading into Rogue One. Um, right. I think the Kenobi series can't be very uh, it can't be an ongoing no. because he can't be going having galaxy wide adventures. Right. He's on Tatooine watching over Luke. Right. Uh, and the comics have explored that some, so maybe right. they'll do something with that. But that that one seems real finite. He can't. Right. be He's got to stay low profile. Right. He's got to be small and stories. And I seriously hope no that you make a, a fantastic point about. There's a finite amount of time and window that these characters had before other major events occurred. That's so they have to sim, and I'm and I'm perfectly fine with that. If they come up with uh, a future box set of these windows into the Star Wars universe to carry us along in the interim, that's fine. I, I don't think they have to do that, but you know, but they can explore um, lots of things. And I, but I think for some of these primary characters that are lead-ins to other other to the film portion of the series, I think they they can do a pretty good controlled environment test and and do it correctly. And that's what it seems like they're going to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm excited for all this stuff. we got tons of Marvel stuff coming on Disney as well. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it's, I think it's great. And you know, it, it's, it's been frustrating to be a star Wars fan through the course of the sequels because of so much negativity and, and right. how people, people take personal offense to not liking a movie and i've never understood that it's like if if what they did in the sequels isn't for you right then that's fine just like but you know what has happened and and i predicted this would happen a long time ago now it's come back around where the the hate that the prequels had right. a lot of that has dissipated 
And right. I think I think a good part of that is the Mandalorian because the Mandalorian is taking things from the sequels, the prequels, from right. everything and pulling them and tying right. them together and making them all work. Yep. And now, so, and, and I'm and I'm going to say I was not a fan of the at the time it was the last first three films, the the initial ones one two and three, but I've softened my stance. It was never a, a dark hatred, but it was a because I, I, we grew up in a kind of a purist setting. We, we were given a films that we knew exactly what was going on and how the films transitioned from one to the other. And then now the, the prequels, which were the original ones, came back in and just kind of changed that up with a bunch of new characters that I was not familiar with, things that I didn't grow up with. But I have since gone back and watched those films, and I do have a more of a, a fondness appreciation, although I will never, ever get over Jar Jar Binks, but that's neither <laughs> here nor there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think and, – and one of the things that really surprised me was that the, there was the announcement with the new shows that um, – and <laughs> by the way, listeners, we'll get to G.I. Joe. We're just <laughs> – well, yeah, we have but, to geek um, out. That's the point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um, one of the announcements was that Hayden Christensen would come back as Vader right. in the Kenobi show. And right. again, this just shows how things have changed. Right. People are excited that he's coming back. Yes. And I'm excited that he's coming yep, back. Absolutely. And I think that's wonderful. They're tying in. They're building a series, I mean, around actors that were in the movies. And I think that's great. They're not taking necessarily new characters. They're actually bringing in the old guard, so to speak, to make it and tie it together. And I was completely like, wow, Hayden Christensen. He's going to be more matured since we saw him. That will be, I think, fantastic. And I think, you know, that is a wondrous idea to make that make that happen for us. I mean, yeah. I look at it, you know, it is a wonderful time to be alive in the Star Wars universe. And we're very fortunate with so many of these major productions, uh, movies and both TV series coming down the pipeline. It's almost Almost overwhelming. We're not going to know which way to look, uh, other than both ways. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. So, all right. So that was a that was a bit of a uh, an aside. We had to talk about the Mandalorian. So, um, but now we are going to talk about something else very that, that is very important to us. And and actually, there there are ties to Star Wars for for GI Joe for for a lot of reasons. But one of them being that you know as as kids. The late 70s and those first few years of, of the 80s, first half of the 80s, were dominated by the Star Wars toys. And that was that was the very first episode that we did of this show was talking about the Star Wars toys. Right. And then after Return of the Jedi in 1983, when the, the Star Wars stuff kind of waned and, and went away, G.I. Joe took over. And that one was such a, a huge part um, you know, of our, of our childhood as well. And, and it kind of, um, I don't want to say replaced, but it definitely, it definitely took over. Like I remember having, G.I. Joe came out in 1982. And, yep. uh, and then 83 was Return of the Jedi, as I said. And I remember even still being excited for Return of the Jedi toys, cause you had new stuff. You had, you had cool new aliens from Jabba's Palace. Right. You had biker scouts. You had the ATST, which was in Empire, but briefly. But, um, so you had all this new stuff. So I definitely remember being excited for, um, for Star Wars, but then, you know, but G.I. Joe just just took over. And um, so I started getting them in 1982 when the very first series started. D- did you did you get yeah. G.I. Joe's? Yep. I was looking back at just you know, uh, sorry, just to just to give yeah. you a resource. If you want to take a look, there's an amazing website called yojo.com yep. uh, that I'm looking at right now. And if you go, it has 
year by year. So we'll take a look at, at the releases year by year. But um, yeah, sorry, go ahead. You were Incredible talking about when- resource. Yeah. So I mean, I jumped on board with you know the GI Joe figures very quickly. I'm you know I'm just looking at the series one figures to throw a couple names out there: Breaker, Scarlet, Rock and Roll. Uh, Stalker, the original Snake Eyes. It's funny because the original Snake Eyes character I obsessed about, but for some reason never got. And then really? finally, years later, a friend of mine had two of them, so I acquired one through through like a trade of figures. But yeah, very surprised I didn't have it because he's the, probably one of the cooler versions of the Snake Eyes throughout the entire character line. But yeah, so those were and and I and I did do the. Let's see who else we got here, and I did so have the. The two Cobra Guards, yeah. Well, yeah, officers. yeah. So, yeah, just to go through that first first series, uh, yeah, Breaker, you had a Cobra Officer, a Cobra Trooper, Flash, yep. uh, Grunt, Rock and Roll, Scarlet, Short Fuse, Snake Eyes, Stalker, and Zap. Uh, and yep. then the vehicle drivers were Clutch with the Vamp Jeep, uh, Grand Slam with the Laser, uh, Hawk with the Mobile Missile System, and Steeler with the uh, the tank, the, the motor yeah. tank. So, but before we even get into that um, – did, did you read the G.I. Joe comic book? I did have – I actually had – strange enough, I did have the first comic book release ever, which I sold many, many years ago, and I think that kind of partially helped facilitate my move to California. But I did have a handful of uh, the uh, of G.I. Joe comic books that I religiously picked up at Mr. Paperback, our favorite split place <laughs> in right. um, that I stayed very true to uh, for a very long time. So yeah, I definitely follow okay. that series very closely. Good, yeah, because um, uh, I I'm a huge fan of that GI Joe series. I, I collected it religiously, um, and I've said before, I've said it on the Nerd Herders podcast, the Hero Man and Sidekick Boy podcast. I'll say it again: that comic book was way better than it had any business being for being a toy tie-in. And <laughs> I know there's a lot of people that didn't even read the comic, but they love the toys and stuff. So here's why the comic book was so important to the toys: Larry Hama. For an editor, writer, artist at Marvel was given the G.I. Joe property to work with. He not only wrote and he drew some of the uh, some of the issues, but he, he wrote like every issue up through. I think he did all of them, um, but he created every single character and uh, wrote the file cards on the back right. of the packaging. Yeah. So he gave them all their personalities. Archie Goodwin, who was another editor at Marvel, created Cobra as the adversary when they were which is interesting that he was the one that gave them Cobra um, to fight. So so Larry Hama and, and the comic books are, even if you didn't read the comics, are hugely important in what the G.I. Joe toy line was. So just wanted to make sure we mentioned yeah. that. Um, I don't remember. It, it's a weird thing, and I don't. I did this with my Nintendo games too. I, I would put my – and it's weird because I'm an only child, but I would, uh, I would lend things out a lot. I would lend my video games, books, comics, things like that. A lot of times I would put my name on things um, mm-hmm. like the uh, the Nintendo games, the black case, you know, that they came in. Yes. I would put like a, a v- the VHS tapes, the blank ones you got in the, back in the day came with all these labels. Yeah, yeah, and there would be yeah. extra ones. So I would cut them up and I would put my name <laughs> and I would number them. And I numbered the G.I. Joe's uh, file cards for some reason up through. I didn't do it all the way through, but for some sure. reason I numbered them. So that has allowed me to, to this day, remember <laughs> the order that I received the first wave of G.I. Joe That's figures. incredible, right. Yeah, I'm, and it's I funny got... you mentioned that you didn't get Snake Eyes until later because yeah. um, he, I think he ends up being most people's favorite or yes. definitely the top top handful for most right. people. 
he was like the last of the first ones that I got. And I guess the whole the all black, like he came with a few extra things, like he had his Uzi and he had like a like a right. satchel. Yes. And he had a he there were only a couple of that was one thing that annoyed me early on was that they had shared heads. Like you had you had like the breaker head with the beard that's also on rock and roll. Right. You had the the zap head, which is with Grunt um and Grand Slam. You've got the and then the other one that's like Flash and Hawk and Short Fuse. But Snake Eye Scarlet obviously had her own um, right. cause she was the only female stalker had his own cause he had the cool beret, uh, right. the mustache and everything and snake eyes had cause he had the mask. the mask because I guess he was a little extra money to produce. Uh, Hasbro was like, you know what? We're not doing any paint applications for him. He's just going to be in all black. And that's why, and he, of course that ends up being iconic, iconic but yeah. it was actually a money saving thing, which is always funny to me how things like that work out. Um, but I remember, I don't remember. If I saw a commercial or I saw them in the store or what, what, or if somebody just randomly picked them up for me. But in, in my birthday, August of 1982, I received one figure and it was Zap, the bazooka figure. Um, and I was like, okay, these guys are cool. And then all of a sudden it just snowballed. Like I remember, like, then I got Breaker, then I got Stalker, then it was Rock and Roll. It was like all the way through. I was just picking them, and then by Christmas, and that was one of the reasons that we wanted to do this one this month is because G.I. Joe became such a huge Christmas wish list item for Absolutely. both of us. That Christmas, it just exploded, and I got just tons and tons of G.I. Joe. So I think I had everything by that Christmas. Again, I was an only child. I was the only grandchild at that time, so uh, all, all that toy and kid money, I was very spoiled. In, in being, that a, being an only child when you're younger does have some benefits uh, yeah. growing up in the 70s and into the 80s, so there's no question yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, I just remember having all that. Do you have, out of that first wave... Who who's your favorite character figure? Like which do you have a favorite out of that first bunch? I, I would have to say, I mean, because I mean, Stalker I played with religiously, Scarlet religiously, um, um, definitely Breaker and Rock and Roll. Absolutely, they were they were uh, that. So that I think that that quartet of characters were the ones that I that I had from the initial run. That were the most played with, in addition to like the the the, um, the two Cobra, the officer, and just the regular the regular foot soldier. Yeah, you got to have your bad guys. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. the same thing with uh, with uh, Cobra Commander. That was a mail in one, which was, I didn't get him mail in, but I, I did later get the hooded one by mail in. But I didn't get him until the second wave when he came out as a regular release. And, and you remember the process that we had to do to do the whole mail in thing? I mean, they oh did my god, the flag points, so the, <laughs> the, little, the little point thing that you had to cut out, mail in, and then you had to include. You waited you know, forever too. Right, self adjust stamp memo. I mean, that was putting a, a lot of faith. As a kid, when you don't really understand the postal system, you know what it does, but you're like, I'm mailing this out. Will I get something back in return? And, you know, and they, they were very good and very, you know, devoted to doing that with every series, having a mail-in character or characters um, that you couldn't get typically uh, in the in the stores. And, I you know, and I just remember, like, kind of to your point – when this started to explode and when this, when the Star Wars figure collecting started to replace in many ways, you know, the, the, uh, the Star Wars portion of it. So the G.I. Joe portion was more connected. I was connecting because they had the military things. And I think also too, growing up, you know, having played with like the Mego dolls and then my, my cousins were a big influence as well because they, 
they have the the large twelve inch GI Joe dolls, the all the original all the. I was going to ask because I never did. I never had any of those. And I and and you know visiting them was always a treat. My my cousins because they would always they always had the multiple dolls to play with, and we were always playing with them outside, and it was just a fantastic experience. So that early on, even when I was younger in, in like the later seventies, when we would go and visit, they would they always had the dolls, and you know and that kind of planted the seed which would be my ultimate fascination when the three and three quarter figures came out. But I also, you, when you mentioned earlier that, you know, the, one of the slight downsides to the, you know, the first string of characters that there's a lot of repetition in faces, but also if you look back at the original 12 inch Joe dolls, even the, the, with the exception of the African American ones, all the, the dark haired ones, the light haired ones all had the, the fuzzy hair and the beard. It was yeah. the same. And the scar. Across the board from the ones that were in the, you know, the, like the seventies, the ones in the early sixties, I think there was a little more variation, but most right, have like, yeah. yeah, they had the scar, but the ones with the fuzzy hairs were all pretty fairly uniform. So I could see how they would want to stick to that, a familiar mold, just maybe like you said, save money and just kind of keep it, you know, uniform, no pun intended across the board with the, you know, the different characters. But yeah, this, yeah, the, this first series is just, what was was the trendsetter, and we had no idea what was coming down the pike. I mean, this was this was big time just to even be able to get these figures at you know Riches, Ames, Kmart, Woolworths, yeah, there, there, <laughs> and you know, any of these places. You know, it became very important. You know, to you know when you're when you're younger to not you know to suddenly want to take trips with your parents to the store. You know, if they're gonna, oh, be, yeah. oh can I go? Because you're gonna end up in the toy aisle and you're going to be just fascinated. And you remember as, as distinctly as I do, and I know it's kind of gone up and down over the years, but the volume of figures that those stores had. Oh yeah. Oh and yeah. To, you know, and there, were, I think there weren't that many toy lines back then. No. So, so, so they could right. devote a lot of space. Yes. And, and you know, and you know, we just the amount to be able to flip through and look at, okay, well they have 10 of this figure. I don't have the money right now. I might, through lawn mowing endeavors, have enough money the following week to come back home and then make the trip with your folks to actually buy a, a figure. And they weren't that expensive back in the day, which was great. So, yeah. and, uh, and I remember, you know, I, you know, just even talking about all this, I'm, I'm seeing like the cardboard backings. I can actually see, I remember even, I think it was KB and or Toys R Us and their, you know, showcasing of having these figures in store. You know, of the, of the, 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 the labeling that each store had distinct to each of their new product lines was, was something phenomenal as well. So yeah, this is, this is good looking at this initial line. Yeah. And, and we should, uh, we should definitely point out, um, the artwork, the, the artwork on the cards. Like Star Wars was cool because it had, uh, photo from right. the, the movies. And sometimes it was a photo you'd never seen. It was like a production photo or something like that. So yeah, it was, so those were always cool. But this artwork was so vibrant and distinct. And the, I know the man that, that did the artwork, um, just passed away. So I was looking, I think it's Hector Garrido is his name. And I, I think he passed away. I know he passed away recently. Um, but I just want to make sure I have the, um, the correct, uh, person because I, I definitely want to give him his, um, yeah, he didn't. He died in April of this year. That is who it is. Hector Garrido. Uh, he just his artwork, just the the vibrant pop of color yeah. behind the character and the cool action scene that you had. Like they it, they were dynamic. They weren't right. they weren't they weren't just static like boring images. Yeah, they there were, were explosions cool. and things going on as it was it was as equally busy behind the character artwork as the character itself in the caricature on the on the on the back art. 
Yeah, and um, uh, something else I really wanted to mention too that, that set G.I. Joe apart uh, is obviously the articulation was better. Yes. You had the knees and, and all the different joints and stuff and got even better in Season 2, Series right. 2, when they added the swivel arm battle grip so the guys could actually hold their guns properly like with two right. hands, which yep. was um, amazing. Um, but they did something really smart. The, the construction of the figures was cool and it made, once you learned how, like you could fix your figures if the, if the elastic broke, which was amazing to yes. me. And I did, I would go on later to like, I, cause G.I. Joe was so big that I would have, you know, you've always got that thing where it's like an aunt or an uncle that's not, you know, they want to get you something, but they're not in tuned enough to be like, does he have this? They're like, I'm buying him this. You end up with those extra figures. Exactly. I would mix and match and make my own figures with yes. different parts and because you could take the screw off the back. So, so the construction of them was cool, but then they did something brilliant. They said, all right, yeah, we've got a giant hole in the back of these figures from where the screw goes in and holds them together. Right. Let's, let's make backpacks that go in there. Yeah. Let's make helmets. Uh, with visors and, and, um, yep. you know, headsets. Let's make, um, and like the laser gun for Flash, it plugged into the backpack. Breaker's, yep. Breaker's headset plugged into the plugged backpack. In. Yep. It was brilliant. It was, and it's such a simple thing, but it was, it was huge because they, that was a cool thing that these guys came with these really cool accessories. And I was, I, I, I was a little older at the 82 that year. I would have turned nine. So yeah. I was, I was a little better with, with not losing things. And I remember having a, like a, I think it was probably a cigar box or, or a tin or something. Yes. And I stored my weapons and backpacks and everything in there. And I only took them out to play. Right. Um, and would put them back because I did not want to lose any of them. No. Stuff. And, 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 and well, I'm sure we'll touch on this a little bit, but it, they, eventually either listen through, you know, fan commentary or letters about coming up with, like, weapons expansion packs because, you know, it's, yes. it's, it was terrible as a kid when you have a component which is unique just to that figure and you lose it, like you said. There was, I, I, I told I, the story of losing the Jawa Ion gun. Yes, yeah. right. And and, I'm, and I, I'm just looking at the face of the characters and I know, I think, you know, like Stalker had kind of a unique machine gun that kind of had a yep. had a uh, kind of like a, a unique stock on it. Yep. Um, Snake Eyes had the Uzi. Yep. Uh, Scarlet the had the, the, the crossbow. Yep. Um, and and Rock and Roll, my favorite, had an M60. And yeah, I remember huge machine gun. That heavy machine gun because he was a heavy machine gunner. Yep. And I remember that the his heavy his M60 had like a little. I think it was a bipod that yes. you could attach to the end of it. I lost that, and I oh was yeah, those are long gone. <laughs> because those, you know, it would be it would be interesting to see what that tiny little piece would go for on eBay because oh so many God. of them are lost. Yes, and and I just remember having lost that, and it, it and as anyone who's listening to this knows and who's played with these figures, that was very lightly connected. You had to kind of just slide it on yeah. to like yeah, a little, like had two tiny little pegs, maybe two little pegs. Yeah. And losing that, and as a kid, because they didn't actually have, like we said, like the the weapons replacement packs at that point, it became I can't believe that just happened. Why did, I lost a gun, and right. you know, and in the seventies, I'm sure it was typical in many households. We had, in my household at least, very thick, not necessarily shaggy carpeting, but like kind of Carpet, thick carpeting yeah. was very easy to lose weapons in, and very frustrating. Yeah. So and the vacuum gets them in there. And the vacuum gets them and destroys them and you'll and, and it's gone. I mean it's but I, I like you did the exact same situation. I had a old it was like a tin not a cigar box, but very similar to that, that that housed 
weapons and backpacks and accessories for the for the for the GI Joe line throughout the entire career. I mean, that thing traveled far and wide with me, and yeah, you know, I remember having to rubber band it because there wasn't any <laughs> latch on it to yeah. protect it. And then as I got older, same thing. You know, I started to bag things like you know small oh, yeah. weapons. And, and then so there was a little bit of organization inside that metal that metal portable container I, I would lug around with me. But at least I would know where, you know, the crossbows were at a quick notice <laughs> right. versus versus having to struggle through a, a mound and pile of weaponry, which is just. But again, in weapons, too, how like finely detailed, I mean, for something yeah. so small to fit into the hands of these characters. And, and, you know, the other concern, I'm looking at these photos, I can tell you. My rock and roll hand broke. You know, <laughs> the thumb. Was it the thumb? The thumb broke. Yep, Zap um, online, my first one, yeah. and Because he had the big bazooka. They actually changed his yes. bazooka later. Um, and, yeah, and the thumb broke off on mine, and I just remember being devastated because I'm like, yep. how – because back to – it's so funny because – and I, we maybe have talked about this. Like as a kid, you don't think about like how easy some things are to just fix, like as far as a replacement, get a new one or whatever. Sure. I just remember being devastated. I was like, he can't hold a gun again. He's oh. like, It's like – no, no and I, right, and I didn't yeah. have a solution for that. I mean, you tried to put the gun in his other hand; it didn't look right. You know, yeah. it's just it, everything. And I think that that hand was smaller, if I remember right. The left hand was. Smaller. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't even hold it as well. So yeah. And yeah, you know, so and that was a common. You know, the thumb breaking off the middle part in their kind of their their groin area. That oh yeah, that yep. rope that became yep. an issue because now the legs are kind of flopping all over the place. But I I like you. Did some repair jobs, you know, getting the some very small circular rubber bands once you figure out you can stretch them enough um, and be able to get inside some of these characters and then actually replace the band that ends up breaking on them, which is unfortunate because some of these at, at the time, once a new series comes out, you know, the productions on these diminished and your luck of finding them were, would be only in, you know, other stores that may have still had uh, overstock that they didn't get rid of. So, you know, once these lines, you know, completed, you're, you're not going to be able to kind of go back. At least now, now you right. can because you can, you know, look on eBay and auction sites. But back in the day, once that line was done, that line was done, and you're kind of SOL trying to find a replacement or, you know, or That's get another point. character. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That's absolutely true. Um, uh, I want to mention my favorites from that first line. Uh, Stalker, always I, great in the comic. Um Great, great figure. I like, you know, he was he was unique. He had a different look than the other, not just because he was a black character, but because he, he had the cool beret and, yeah. and camo. He had the camo, yep. which looked awesome. Yeah. Um. So huge, huge fan of him. Always one of my favorites. Uh, Flash and rock and roll, two mm-hmm. of my favorites. Um. Scarlet, Snake Eyes. You know, those were those ones got a ton of playing time. Um. And uh, one dimension. So so I talked briefly about the the vehicles. I think the vamp. I had the tank, and it was I had all the first wave stuff. The, the tank was cool, but the motorized stuff wasn't that exciting. It was kind of yeah. clunky because it was heavy because it was motorized. Yep. Um, the the missile system that Hawk came with wasn't a big fan. It just wasn't super exciting. But the the vamp that Clutch drove the the Jeep, one yes. of my all time favorites, and then the laser that Grand Slam came with was cool. Like it's a cool giant laser, and he could sit in it, and it had a little uh, computer display. But the right. smartest thing, they, they were so smart with all this stuff, it had two things on the front, and you could hook them to the back of the Jeep or the back of the tank. They put a tow thing on the back, and you could you could tow them around. That was genius because then, yeah. then yeah. something that could have just been a stable you know, laser cannon 
suddenly was way more dynamic. Right. Yeah, I think it's it's funny because from the first line of you know vehicles, I'm, I may have had some of because they really expanded on like the little mini play sets, like the ones that were in between just above a character and below a large vehicle, like the little accessory sets. Yeah, the but ones that I, didn't come with a a, car- yes. a figure. Yep. But I, I think I'm, I'm looking at here. I think so there, I, was the, I, there was the jump jet the, the, that was, again, used the backpack. It was a yes. jet, jet pack. And yep. then the one of my all-time favorite things was the Ram motorcycle, which had the sidecar Gatling gun. The hat, sidecar, yeah, I definitely had that. And that was – that plus the Vamp, I think, were my two only vehicles from the first series. But, yeah, the, that, the Gatling gun was just awesome. I wish it stayed on better than yeah. I had. Again, issues with that. You had to be careful how you play with it and hold it. But it's funny because you learn and evolve very quickly as a kid how to play with your toys, you know, and where, you know, you're not consciously thinking of where their weaknesses are, but you get to see very quickly if something is a little more delicate and that you have to be careful with playing with, then, you know, to, to extend the longevity of it, you'll, you know, be careful and play with it correctly. So, (laughs) yeah. And, and they did smart things with it. Like, they, there was no way because that first wave, the the hands, even though they had more articulation than the Star Wars figure, they didn't do the swivel arm battle grip yet, so the hands couldn't turn right. to hold an actual handlebar on the motorcycle. So mm-hmm. they just kind of made like the the cowling of the the front of the bike came over, and you just kind of stuck the hands in there. Yes. But what they did was put two pegs on each side that you put the legs or manipulated the legs around, and yep. those actually held an action figure on, yes. so you could go and do cool jumps. Because I was like most kids of that era, uh, motorcycles are cool, and, yep. you know, from Evil Knievel, all that stuff. So sure. so having a motorcycle for the G.I. Joe guys was awesome, and I played and played and played with that. That was easily one of my all-time favorite toys, period, not even just yeah. G.I. Joe. Nope, was agreed. a little motorcycle. Yep. Um, yeah, so so great Series 1. Uh, series 2, 1983, they, they redid – all the original figures with the new swivel arm battle grip, which um, allowed them, like I said, to to yeah. turn their arms, and you could suddenly, you know, they could hold a gun with two hands. They could, they were just way, way cooler. And that was such a revolutionary little little addition. And I, th- I have to think that it, they probably that first wave was like a test run, and then it was so incredibly popular that they're like, okay, we don't have to reuse head sculpts, we don't have to use the same bodies and repaint yeah. them. We can just go now, and uh, boy, did it take off with that second oh series God. too. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll go through and list, <laughs> yeah. and then we, we can talk about some of them. But in that second series, you had Airborne, you had Doc, Gung Ho, Snowjob, Torpedo, Tripwire, Ace, Cover Girl. You had a reissue of Grand Slam and Grunt in different colors. You had Wild Bill with the helicopter, mm-hmm. and then for bad guys, iconic bad guys, you had Destro, oh, yeah. you had Major Blood. You had the Hiss Tank driver who looked super cool, um, and yeah, I think I think that's it for the new ones. But yeah. uh, just and and the funny thing is that again, GI Joe is so much ingrained in me that I it'll be interesting to see at what point as we go through these when I when I don't know who a character is because I'm literally naming these by memory right. every single one. I'm like I know no. who that is, that is, that is. <laughs> and the, and even crazier if you dumped a giant box of their accessories out in front of me and said match up oh my god I could absolutely do I could do it I can tell you right now just look at airborne he had kind of a rifle that had a bayonet Bayonet, on it (laughs) had the 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 handheld like rocket launcher it was like a like a uh, uh, snow job had a standardized 
laser that was that appeared in a lot of in the animated TV series yes. plus the skis. Yeah. Uh, Torpedo had his kind of harp like singular harpoon, like harpoon gun. gun yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at these That's and fun. my and favorite. Doc, a pacifist, had no weapon. Came with no of weapon. Course. Came with a stretcher though, which was awesome. yes, he did come with a stretcher. <laughs> Sorry, what were you gonna say though? No, just look at these. I mean, I could literally. Like the ones that got the most play, like Airborne from this series, I'll just, you know, th- throw myself in. Airborne and Gung Ho, Snowjob and, and Torpedo were probably my top four from this line that, you know, I mean, it, but, and of those, um, Snowjob, because he was a unique character, you know, you know, certainly he's in a complete alpine outfit. Um, and if I'll throw out this, I think only on a couple of the animated TV series did we ever see him not in his actual outfit, <laughs> right. which was strange because, you know, you know, a lot of these people, are, a lot of these characters and figures are fairly, you know, have fairly active wear that they can wear in, in any given situation. Yeah. But I, and I remember distinctly making piles of sleeping bags on the floor and creating mountains for Snowjob to ski down <laughs> as a kid and then having, you know, in ba- basing like little, uh, battle scenarios around him escaping and also a kind of a tie into that which rang true with me um so many you know early james bond movie episodes um yeah. major films had ski scenes so for, yeah. for this to, for them to bring a character into the gi joe lineup that has skis which was just you know wild to me now i have a secret spy who kind of could be as cool as james bond um, and be able to kind of reenact some of those things, uh, some of those, my own scenes basically. So, yeah, yeah. Um, that's fine. I'm opening up the, um, I wanted to make sure we, we get everything. So I'm opening up the, the vehicles in a different tab. Now we forgot the flak laser cannon, uh, oh, yeah. from the yep. first one, which I had it, not, not a fan. It just wasn't, I, again, cause it was, it was static. You couldn't, right. it just stayed in place. And yeah, so that one I had, it wasn't, wasn't crazy about it. Um, but I did want to at least mention that. Um, yes, so that second wave, um, I think I had a lot of the same favorites. Um, yeah. Airborne, Snowjob, Gung Ho, for sure. Um, bad guys, again, Destro, just yes. just such a cool character. And again, I'm reading the comics, so he's awesome in the comic book. Like, he's he's so much more than Cobra Commander and, oh, um, and, and just – Way more interesting, uh, way smarter. Just a just a much more interesting character. Yeah. Major Blood, a mercenary, but yes. like an eye patch, which is always cool. Um, yeah, you just had you just had cool, just really cool stuff. And then and vehicles wise too, I think I would say I would say the second series in 1983 had the more way more iconic items because you had the the Battle Bear, which was the snowmobile, which was super yeah. fun. Yeah. Um, APC, the the personnel character that literally floated. Like I I took that thing out in the stream that I lived on on the water, and I would take that thing out and in the water because it it floated and it wasn't like a cheesy oh it'll float for a few minutes and say it floated. It was yeah. it was so yeah, well made. remarkable. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the his tank such a cool tank and it's so different from anything else. Uh, that was a ton of fun. The Fang helicopter, the oh, one man helicopter. Two fangs, yes. Oh, so good. The Dragonfly helicopter for the GI Joes was yep. was great. The Sky Striker um, uh, airplane for the Joes was cool. Did you have uh, that? I did. Yep. Lucky I had. Bastard. Lucky yeah. bastard. It's funny because, and again, I'm I'm like to point. I I didn't grow up with a ton of money. I'm very, you know, um, 
working class family. My, you know, every, my grandparents and my parents, everything. I didn't have a ton of money, but yeah. I was well taken care of when it came to Christmas and, um, and, and my birthday. And I, I have, so I'm looking at everything up, up to this point through the first two series. I owned everything. I, and I'm, nice. I'm very, very fortunate. Uh, the Wolverine, one of my all time favorites, the missile launcher one that came with cover girl, that tank. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That was awesome. And I had the headquarters, which was, I remember that being my big Christmas gift in 83 was, was the headquarters. That's a big deal to have yeah. that. <laughs> yep. I had the snake suit, which was cool because you could put yep. the figure inside. I had the, That's very cool. Yeah, I had the Viper and the Falcon, the two styrofoam gliders, which worked Kinda. They worked, they, but they, they got banged up. So they good. worked better in the commercials. I remember those distinctly yeah. as being, "Wow, these are really cool." But di- I didn't have those. But that's cool to know that you did, and to know that they worked kind of. <laughs> yeah, they they just the styrofoam was so like you you'd throw them and they'd go. It was cool. I remember going. There was a field that I could walk to near my house, and it was the one that we would go sledding on too. It had a big hill, right. and I would throw from the hill. And they would go, and it was awesome. They'd glide, and it was super cool. And then they'd hit, and you'd hear a crunch, and you'd be like, oh. <laughs> so, um, so I did have them, and they, they were pretty cool. But, um, yeah, they, I just think they were so so flimsy. Um, and then this was the first year in 83 when the, the Battle Gear packs that you were talking yes. about came out, with which they did in different colors, which I wasn't crazy about. But, um, no, that um, was, I, that's funny. I, I remember as a kid taking really – specific offense to <laughs> why are they making these standout colors? I would, you know, I prefer the generic black or off gray colors, which was pretty much the, you know, the entire first series. And then even the second series, but the expansion packs, when they, uh, for the battle gear, you know, they were making them in, in shades of white. And then they eventually, were doing, and yeah. And then and later on, the, some of the Cobra weapons were like, you know, neon pink. I mean, it was just, it was insane. And, but yeah. so that was the only, I think the only fault I would say, was the extreme, you know, color palette they evolved or devolved, as my case, into, like, <laughs> right. with some of the weaponry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I did want to mention the Hiss Driver, too, because he, he was just so cool-looking. Bright red. We hadn't seen anything like that from Cobra. Right. Uh, the giant blue, like, um, front chest plate with a big silver yeah. um, silver Cobra. That's the other thing we should talk about. Those Cobra, whatever the paint was that they use for those Cobra sigils, those wore off. Like I had friend, like I know the gung hose tattoo would wear off on his yes. chest. That didn't happen on mine. You know, the arm things like, um, tripwire and, and, uh, airborne had like, you know, their, their stripes and stuff yeah, on there. Yes, yep. And those, those would wear off. But, um, but man, those Cobra sigils would just, just come right off so easily. I don't know why. Maybe it's because of the different paint, but, um, uh, something smart they did in series two was since they switched to swivel arm battle grip, they went back and did the original, figures with right. the swivel arm battle grip um which was smart um and uh yeah that series too i think that's really where it really took off because you got some iconic characters suddenly they're they're much cooler much more playability with the swivel arm battle grip and you start to get the specialized troopers you got the snow trooper you got the the seal yeah. you got the you know the mind detector trooper you got all this cool right. stuff so and, 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 and it's funny because like when the animated action TV series come, came out, you know, some of these characters that were iconic that we were playing with didn't have as large of a role or were very rarely shown on TV. Yeah. But, you know, Gung Ho, I remember Gung Ho uh, was a, a staple character. Doc had was was prevalent. Snowjob, yes. 
But some of the other ones, I mean, Wild Bill definitely was, I remember distinct episodes with him, but some of the other ones I'm surprised, you know, they didn't have as much of, as a, of a, um, visual presence on TV. And then to tie into that, my favorite character of all time from this, probably the first three series was the mail-in Duke. And I remember saving up all my little UPCs yeah. for him because he was such a, more of a, a, an advanced looking character than when we saw him, you know, uh, you know, initially, uh, on, on the, on screen. So it was very yeah, on the cartoon, to yeah. have his character. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny too, because, and again, going back to the comic book, Larry Hama did such a good job in the comic because he he had to introduce all these new things because they're trying to sell toys and yeah. he's trying to sell comic books. But they had to throw all this crazy stuff in when the new toys came out. He did such a great job of working in new characters, working with a massive cast of characters and giving them distinct personalities, including humorous type stuff like Tripwire, who was the, the mine expert, yes. like would like had a mine detector that he came with. Mm-hmm. In the comics, he made him a klutz. So he's like always he's carrying around these mines and stuff and he's tripping over stuff. Yes. And it's like it's like it's little subtle things that were in the comics that I thought were were really well done. Right. And you know, Wild Bill was just always this kind of crazy helicopter pilot. Yeah, and, cowboy yeah, guy. Yeah. I mean, he was he literally was a total Yahoo and then you know uh and then Gung Ho clearly was just just as the brawn of a um, of a of a ex marine who's joined the Joe, Joe squad from yeah. you know his his time in Ellis Island. It was just you know and then, yeah. and again as, an accent too on the uh, on yeah. the cartoon and the, in the comic. Yeah, and then and he also well all these characters basically they're it seemed that their their uh, their dossiers on the back of uh, of the of the of the packaging were incredible reads as well. You get to learn a lot about the characters and you get to get a little bit of background history of, you know, the good ones and the bad ones, you know, and especially yeah. with Destro, what being an arms dealer was just wild. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And you got, yeah. You made your blood as a mercenary who likes wow. to write bad poetry. Just Yeah. Right. This. And there were some obscure things that were thrown in there, which were kind of like darkish humor, but at the same point worked well because it's like that helped you build the character when you played with them. Yeah, yeah, great stuff. Um, I think we mentioned all the vehicles from the from the second set. Pretty much, they had the um the little mobile things like the pack rats. Do you remember those? It was like a little flamethrower, a little machine yeah. gun, a little missile. Yep. I had those. wasn't wasn't crazy about them, but they were they were kind of cool to break out once in a while. Um, but um, all right, let's move on to 1984. And again, pretty oh, yeah. pretty major. This boy, it, I would be hard pressed if if you made me pick a series a year. Huh. I I I think it's got to be this year because I'll, I'll go yep. through them. So oh my for god! These I'm ones, just like I'm like these, drooling here. I'm yeah, like, oh my are, god! These are some pretty amazing ones. You had the Baroness, so the first yeah. female Cobra figure. Um, you had Blowtorch for yeah. GI Joe, a flamethrower. You had the official release of Duke. Yeah. Uh, another awesome mercenary that Cobra had, Firefly. Yep, demolition just, expert. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. You had you had Mutt and Junkyard, yep. the the dog handler who actually came yep. with the dog. Yeah. You had Ricondo, the jungle expert. Yeah. You had Ripcord, the um, high altitude, low opening um, uh, skydiver. Yeah. You had Roadblock, one of mm-hmm. my all time favorites, another heavy machine gunner. You had another awesome bad guy for Cobra, Scrap Iron, oh. giant missile launcher, uh, Spirit. Yeah, just right. an amazing character, and of course, then you have Storm Shadow. Storm Shadow. Uh, just and then 
And then the, now this one's considered in the vehicle drivers because he came with a little swamp skier, but Zartan. Oh my God! Yes, yeah, Zartan. Yeah, you've got another re- redo of Clutch in gray. You've got the yep. um, the the Stinger, which was the Cobra version of the Vamp, had a gray Cobra Trooper who looked super cool. Then you had uh, for the the Swamp Boat, um, yep. you had Copperhead. Copperhead, yeah, who was awesome. You had um, uh, Cutter who piloted the whale for G.I. Joe. You had Deep Six, who's a sucky figure. We'll get to that, yep. who piloted the shark. <laughs> Thunder, uh, or sorry, Grand Slam, who piloted the Thunder. Wild Weasel, who was the Rattler, uh, the Cobra Jet pilot, uh, Zartan. And then the Malian Hooded Cobra Commander, which was awesome. So, yeah. I mean, that's a that's a crazy lineup of I mean, Look, I mean, now we're starting to really see camouflage take a full effect in yep. the Joe line. Because we, we talked yeah, about series. Was like the first one, but now we're starting to see actual. And I think, you know, not even as a kid, you're thinking ethnic diversity, but they're really diversifying the ethnicities of their characters and hair color, and they're really going to town on this. Yeah, yeah. For, I mean, in this series alone, you have some of my out of my top. If I listed my top ten of all time, mm-hmm. a, a huge chunk comes out of here. Roadblock, Absolutely. one of my all time favorites. Spirit, one of my all time favorites. Um, Blowtorch. I loved him. And then these bad guys for Cobra. Obviously, Storm Shadow is iconic, but oh. Firefly is amazing. Scrap yes. Iron has such a cool look. Um, the, you know, Zartan comes out in, in this set. I mean, just this 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 is probably the year, uh, if you had to ask me. And again, I'm 11 years old this year, so yeah, that's I think that's the one for me. Mutton Junkyard. Yep. Yeah, Much, just, I mean, if you look at, I mean, I'm just, you know, going through my mind what their weapons were. I remember, especially for Mutt, he had um, the Mac 10 with a silencer yeah. on it. Yes, I yeah. was obsessed with it because I'm like, I knew how cool the Uzis were, but then the Mac 10 finally showed up, and I'm like, wow, and it has a silencer, which makes it even more cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Roadblock with the giant uh, green The giant um, green tripod gun Yeah, yeah. Uh, Spirit with a, a a gun that shot essentially tiny arrows. Tiny arrows. Not quite sure. Yeah. And then he came with he came with his uh his the bird that you could fit. Oh, yes, eagle, eagle freedom. That's right. Yep, freedom that you could hook on his wrist. Yep. Um. And his backpack had was green, I believe, that had more, had more arrows. Of the arrows in it. Yep. yep. <laughs> yeah. Baroness had a giant gun that she came with that I don't even think she held properly, if I remember right. I think no. it was almost too big. I always would mix and match and find her a smaller weapon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Firefly came with a cool backpack that had an opening. Like you could yes. pop a little panel off the back and it had yeah, tools and stuff inside. Yeah. yeah, and he had a cool gun that was different from anybody's. It was like a like a green roundish so, barrel. So machine gun with like yeah. a kind of flash suppressor on it, yeah. Yep. Um, Ripcord had like a giant um, – like his, his parachute pack. Um, yep. Storm Shadow – Amazing oh. accessory because he had his he had his katana and his yep. um, chinto blade and they went into his backpack yep. which had which had a quiver of arrows and he yep. had his his bow. I mean, yep. it doesn't get any better than that when you're like ten, eleven, twelve years no, old. No, no. Like, and I believe he had what the black nunchaku as well. Correct? Oh, that's right. He yep. did. It. He did. That's right. I've so totally forgot that, that. Yeah, that one. Yeah. I mean, that was the the consummate backpack of. Weaponry. I mean, like you yeah. said, the, the the dual swords, the bow and arrow, and then the nunchaku was just wild. And then you know his articulation, and then he's got weapons and, and throwing stars coming out of his belt. I mean, yep. and and he ends up being 
the arch enemy of spirit for many ways, but also they outline as well uh, throughout the series, which was wild. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Scrap iron came with a cool, um, missile launcher. Um, and, and these vehicles too, like, um, the, like the town, these, um, the vehicle, this is when I started to come into my vehicle world was, it was 84. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and again, this is, so this is the first year that I don't, I don't own everything. I never, I never had the Vamp Mark II, which was the, the Jeep that came with like, um, it had doors and a cover like they did on the Stinger and then a missile launcher on the back. I I didn't have that one. Um, but I, I think I had everything else. Um, water moccasin, the, um, the Cobra, uh, swamp boat, absolutely all time favorite, uh, for, for not, if not the all time favorite for Cobra, it's, it's gotta be in the top two because it was just, It was just super cool. The, the, the cockpit is cool. Like it, um, you could put Copperhead in there. It had a, had a spot on the back for a gunner, um, pegs to hold other people on there. Other, yeah. Yeah. The whale, I, I remember the whale was the big Christmas item that year. I got the whale that year, which came with so many neat things. Like it had a sled that shot out of the front. It had a, like a, um, a, a motorcycle on the back. It had That's like, you right. could drop. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you could drop depth charges. It op- the front opened up and the ramp went down, so you could right. charge out of it. The whale was just an amazing. It was a very comprehensive vehicle and a big one at that, which was yeah. which was awesome. Yeah, um, I had the Cobra Asp, which wasn't. It's a laser one. It wasn't great, but you could tow it. Um, the Rattler was a great, great airplane. Um, you know, because it had just a, a bazillion missiles on it. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Stinger was cool because finally Cobra had a Jeep. Mm-hmm. Um, the Chameleon for Zartan I wasn't a big fan of. I didn't really use that. His Swamp it. Skier. I liked it. It was better in the in the uh, in the comics and in the animated yeah. show. The fact that you know it was difficult, to, you know, to to disassemble. It didn't stay, that, yeah, it didn't stay together. It wore great out. Either. It wore out way faster yeah. uh, than any of the other kind of small smaller ticket vehicles. Yeah, uh, the Skyhawk, like the little sort of like the little jet yeah. type thing, that was cool. I liked that. Um, Very prevalent, Played with yeah. that a ton. I like. I tend to like the smaller things just because they were a little more portable. Those felt like I could take them outside right. a little easier. Um, the Slugger is kind of a cool tank, but it, it did something neat that it didn't have to do. But for the sake of detail, they did it. It had a giant rake stabilizer that pulled out of the back That's and like right. planted in the ground because right. a cannon that big would need some Sure, well, you would get some recoil from that, totally. Yeah, totally unnecessary, totally cool that they did it. <laughs> um, the claw was a cool little one-man. The claw was very cool. Flying thing, I loved that. And then I mentioned how, how shitty the shark was. And um, and the, the shark itself wasn't bad, but Deep Six was just a huge disappointment because – it's a giant clunky piece of plastic, um, like diver suit with his arms moved slightly. And then the design of the ship didn't even fit him. You put him face down, right. which is like, oh, it's got this like ultra high tech display. No, it was garbage. It's like, right. I don't want my guy sitting face down in the. Did in not the have ship. him, did not have the shark. So yeah. <laughs> so much. <laughs> that no, one gets no. a thumbs down. That's that's, that's, that's what the disposable character that I think most kids would would have the same sentiment towards. Like not really purposeful, wasn't really an active member of what we were playing with. So. Yeah, not not great. And and it didn't help that like they made him like character wise in the comics, they made him be like really aloof and not yeah. interesting in the least. Right. Um, yeah. So um, Zartan had the color change thing. Zartan was that. wild in that regard because we learned. I mean, we learned a lot from him in the comic books as well as the the TV series. But the fact they came up with a 
design that he where he did turn color greenish, I believe it was in yeah, when like a blue, him, yeah, a bluish green, yeah, uh, was wild. And and his backpack came with like that false face, like the false the face that you could, could take put that his, in there. Yeah, I mean, and this was wild because his his headdress, his hood. You could very easily put the the face mask in. That was one component I was fearful of losing uh, yeah. for all, all my years of playing with him, and um, and that was one thing that I protected very carefully because I don't think that was replaceable other than purchasing another Zartan altogether. Yeah, and I think he came with one of the smallest pistols at the time too. I was always afraid of losing that because it was a bla- a cool yeah, almost like a Star Wars pistol. blaster. Yes, yes very small. Yeah, um, and he had cool like um, snap-on stuff that went on his chest, and um, nice. the color thing was so cool because you had to leave him in the sun for it to, yeah. to take effect. But um, I just remember doing stuff like I like I'd put him in the sun, like um, you know, a nice like a stump or something out in the yard. I was big on playing with my stuff out outside. Um, yeah. That, yeah, and uh, I would I just remember doing stuff like putting like a couple of pine needles over the front of him so that as the sun turned him a different color, then you take the pine needles off and it's almost like a camo pattern. Yes. Yeah, so he he was cool. It was it was kind of a gimmick, but at the same time, he was such a cool character. And it worked. I mean, he was it he did. was. He was quite the consummate, unique kind of fringe villain who kind of operated within the confines of, of the Cobra hierarchy, but also was kind of a, a, a an, an agent of his own. And as we'll get to soon, you know, he had his own team yeah. within a team, basically. Yeah, and then the mail-in, that was the first mail-in I remember getting was the hooded Cobra Commander. Um, it's it's a little bit different than the regular Cobra Commander. It's a different, darker blue. Obviously, he's yeah. got the hood. Um, I just remember really liking this one. Like, obviously, you had the battle, you know, the the um, the regular Cobra Commander with his battle helmet and everything, who was cool. But, but this one was just, I don't know, something about this one looked more menacing. Maybe it's oh. the vague KKK hooded <laughs> i know, you know i think so i mean yeah. he, he it was they really developed him in such a way of being very nefarious looking and i yes. I, I i think the same thing the hooded portion of it reminds me of an evil domestic entity organization the kkk and i think right. they really did a good job of portraying uh his his level of evil by uh, a very creepy and odd hood yeah um yeah, so that's that's just an amazing uh, amazing series that 1984 series three. Um, all right, jumping up to 85 again. You, you're still some pretty pretty kick ass characters yes. coming out. Um, I think I think 84 85 is that sweet spot for for the high ends of of this toy line. Um, just going through real quick. Um, you had airtight, alpine, barbecue, bazooka. Uh, the Dreadnoughts will handle separately because they deserve yeah. they deserve love. Um, <laughs> Crimson Guard, the first new yes. Cobra type trooper, very cool. Dusty, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the Cobra Eel, their their version of a uh, Frogman. Uh, Flint, um, Footloose. That one took me a second. That one, that one took me a second. Footloose, Lady J, Quick Kick, who's awesome. Oh yeah. Uh, Shipwreck, the first new um, Snake Eyes sculpt, yeah. which is amazing. Uh, the Snow Serpent, kind of their answer to Snow Job on the Cobra mm-hmm. side. The Televiper. Yeah. Uh, and then two. Oh, yes. R- could have been lame, and maybe some could argue were lame, but I don't care. Tomax and Zamot, the twins. Oh. That's what I should have done. I should have said you were the Tomax to my oh. when we opened. I missed it. I missed that opportunity. <laughs> my bad. Um, but, um, and then real quick, uh, the vehicle drivers. You had Crankcase, um, yep. Frostbite, uh, Heavy Metal, uh, Keel Hall. 
the I can't remember what the oh the Lamprey that's what it was um, Toll Booth and um, yeah there's a couple mail in repaints and stuff but this this yeah. series and of course the Dreadnoughts you had, you had Torch uh, Ripper and Buzzer yeah. um, this is a pretty this is a pretty iconic set right here as well. Not I, maybe not quite as many of the heavy hitters, but the dreadnoughts themselves elevated. Because I don't know if, if you were like me, but the, to me, there was nothing cooler than the dreadnoughts. There was nothing cooler than dreadnoughts, and then the fact that Zartan was their leader, so he was the ringleader, and they were just so roguish and violent adversaries. You know, they, they were. You know, I mean, if you if just, I mean, going through my mind, what, what, their weaponry. You know, Buzzer had like this machine gun slash chainsaw contraption weapon, which was just ultra crazy. I mean, they yeah. they reminded me of like the Escape from New York vil- villainous people, the people yeah. that are fringe, you know, characters that you never want to encounter. You know, a biker gang who are just ultra violent and they just looked different from all the other villains. They really were a step in advancement in the the Cobra hierarchy of, you know, kind of a, a group of really, really tough mercenaries that no one wanted to fuck with, basically. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, you had, um, yeah, Buzzer had the cool chainsaw thing, and he had, it was cool. His, like, it, it makes no sense practic- practically, but it was just so cool. His backpack was literally a giant gas can. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, and he had, um, yeah, he, so that was cool. Uh, uh, Ripper had a really cool gun with a giant blade on the front like a like a rifle with a blade and then he yes. had a massive almost like jaws of life like yeah um um contraption for for like demolition and then yes. torch had a really cool uh, torch um that plugged into his backpack which was right. essentially fuel um right. i was i i was both sad as a kid and and confused and and even more so in as an adult thinking about it that they never did bikes, motorcycles, anything crazy for the dreadnoughts. They no. made the thunder machine later their cool car, right? But it, it seems like a like uh, bikes for them would have been a no brainer from right. a selling standpoint because it's like sell right. one bike. Well, I need three for my dreadnoughts. Exactly. You're gonna sell three bikes, right? Well, and and the and funny thing too is I I think in some of the series like the animated one we see them on. Like the, the the swamp vehicles that that was kind of yes. unique for Zartan. You see that, and I think you see them in. I mean, I, I'm trying to remember. Did, did we the see them? Comics was motorcycles. Comics was motorcycles. Yeah, so they really should have come up with a I mean a unique brand line of motorcycles for them because they were a biker gang essentially, a mercenary yeah. biker gang. Yeah, uh, they they were easily one of the the groups of figures that I played with the most. I absolutely love them. Uh, again, Larry Hama in the comics made them. Super cool because they were um, they were unpredictable. They played by their own rules. They didn't even listen to Zartan all the time. Right. And they were they were just they were just really cool. Um, uh, taking a look at the the Joe releases. Well, let's talk a little more about the Cobra one. So Crimson Guard I thought was cool. A very different look. Right. Um, an update to the regular Cobra Troopers. They were a little bit more elite. They yeah. they seemed a little. They just the look. They were like and, the shock trooper of yeah. the Cobra front line. Yep, they they just looked cool. I, I just remember really liking them, and I think I had a couple of them. I think yeah, there, were, there were a handful of things that it, that I had a couple of, and and that was one of them. Um, the the cobra, the uh, frogman, the eels, um, mm-hmm. cool. Um, I don't remember playing with them a ton. 
Um, same with the Snow Viper, you know, uh, sorry, Snow right. Serpent, you know, they're kind of a limited, came with snowshoes, which was cool. Yes, snowshoes of all things. <laughs> yeah, um, so again, but limited, you know, with their um, playability because of the, right. you know, the snow theme. Televiper wasn't a huge fan, but, you same, know, yeah. would use them. Uh, Tomax and Zaymod, I actually really liked the, the Crimson Twins, the leaders of the Crimson Guard. They were done really well in the comics, but I, I remember liking them a lot, even though, it's starting to get a little more cartoony, a little more comic booky with these characters, um, but I still, I still really like them. Yeah, I mean, they were just really cool. I mean, and their weapons were—I'm trying to recall—was it like this very the giant small, pistol? The giant they, pistol, which was like an oversized pistol, which was kind of—I wasn't weird. a fan. I gave them something no. else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and then let's see, looking at the good guys, airtight. And not uh, like toxic, like the toxic environment trooper. Yeah, limited. For, I, yeah. Same. Had him, but he wasn't a highly played figure. Yeah. Alpine was one of my favorites. Maybe my favorite, not my favorite from this, because I actually know who my favorite is from this pretty easily. But Alpine's probably number two. Came with cool stuff like uh, he had like climbing, um, like uh, the, the pit, the piton that you Yeah, can, the piton, yep. Yeah, that was – so he was cool. He looked different. He had, like, goggles. Yeah. He had cool, like, rope around him. Um, I, I I remember liking him a lot and playing with him a lot. Same. Yeah. Barbecue, the firefighter trooper, kind of kind of cool. Came with an axe, but again – Limited, kind of like yeah. airtight. You know, was part of the team but not always involved in all the missions. <laughs> right. Yeah. Bazooka, not a huge fan. I did like that he had what essentially looked like a New England Patriots jersey on. Um, I always thought he looked like uh, uh, John Oates, you know, with his. his <laughs> that was my thing. His mustache. I could, I could even looking at his, his picture right now. To this day, he still looks like that to me. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny because you know what that did. That's that sparked a memory for me that I had not thought about in forever. <laughs> this is this is maybe an embarrassing uh, admission, but I'm I don't I don't give a shit. I'm going to go with it. Uh, so on the back of the – we talked about some of the, the random things that were on the back of the file cards. There were several of them that listed that they played musical instruments. Rock and roll played guitar. Um, Thunder, the slugger driver, played drums. Like several of them listed them. I made a G.I. Joe band, and I even made little cardboard uh, like instruments. <laughs> <laughs> and I had a G.I. Joe band. So the whole the, nice. the notes thing reminded me of that. Yeah, that was, that was <laughs> awesome. kind of lame, but I did do that. <laughs> um, uh, my favorite from this, and I'm not even sure why. Maybe it's because he's kind of cool with the, the camo face paint, but Dusty was my favorite character out of this set. Um, had um, He had a cool gun that was Very a little cool different. Gun. He had like the 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 cloth headpiece. Yeah, uh, like, yeah, the, the, to protect him from yeah, the sun on the back of his neck. Yeah, the the desert camo. He just looked different, and he for whatever reason he was. I was a huge fan of him, and he got a ton of playing time. Flint played with a bunch. Not a not a huge fan, but man, that sawed off shotgun he had, the riot the, shotgun, the was, riot shotgun, sawed off shotgun. And I actually, his shotgun, you know, came I believe at a kind of a regular length beyond the barrel. I I yeah. ended up cutting it to make oh. it a sawed off shotgun. Yeah. So I used a. I'm trying to think of what I used. I think I used the wire stripper to kind of get a clean cut, yeah. and it actually looked way more cooler than you know with, with the, the the green one that he uh, got. <laughs> yeah, um, Footloose was, I mean, pretty standard infantry guy. Had a cool gun. I remember he had a cool helmet that had leaves on it because his yes. camo was kind of cool. Uh, Lady J I liked a lot because again there weren't a ton of female figures at the time, um, and she she looked different and just looked looked cooler, looked a little tougher than than some of the other female Definitely figures that had come before. Yeah. Uh, so I liked her, and she was obviously a big part of the comics and the cartoon. 
Um, Quick Kick, huge fan. I mean, wild character. You know, yeah, nin- ninjas were huge then. I I loved ninjas and karate. Barefoot, like he's he's got you know yeah. no, no shoes on. No shoes. Uh, got a sash full of throwing stars. He's another one that came with a backpack that his that his um, his, sword his could go sword. in. Yeah, I think he came with nunchucks too. He did. He they were kind yeah. of gray, silver ones. Yeah. storm shadows. Yeah. Yeah. Um, shipwreck. I, I think there was a backlash for me because he was so prominently featured in the cartoon. Um, like way I was, too yeah. featured. Yeah, I think I only used him like when I busted out the whale or whatever because I, I just wasn't a fan. But he came with a parrot. He had a, shot, a shotgun too, if I remember right, a small one. A small shotgun and, yes, the parrot. And he had and he had a tattoo as well on yes, his forearm. Yep. yep. Um, the redo of Snake Eyes was phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, Came with a sword, came with a wolf, came with uh, Timber, his wolf, which came straight out of the comics. Um, yeah, just a great redo. The visor on it, the the straps and everything, just a just a great looking character. And again, just it's black with a little bit of gray on the pouches and, right. and stuff like that. But just awesome, just right. looks awesome. He, he they they bulked him up. He I mean he definitely yep. looks more muscular. His his weaponry and his his uh, his you know. What he's got for it looks, I look at, I think it's hand grenades or whatnot on his kind yep. of a, the cross satch basically yeah. or wild. Yeah, he, he definitely became more of a, um, definitive character in this. They upscaled him from what looked just like a, a commando to now a real looking kind of mercenary commando. Yeah, yeah, it, look, it looked awesome. Uh, the vehicle drivers, um, crankcase. So, so let's, let's, let's go over the vehicles and then we can talk about this. So, so the AWE striker. Which came with the driver crankcase was essentially a dune buggy with giant cannon on top. Yeah, I don't know of a single GI Joe vehicle that I played with more for like the larger ones. I mentioned the Ram motorcycle before, yeah. but AEW Striker came, had had springs like um, suspension mm-hmm. springs. Um, right. And, yeah, and it would bounce up and down. I that's probably that was big time. <laughs> yeah, that that may be my all time favorite GI Joe toy because I don't know what it is about it. It just it looks cool. The guys sat in the seats well, and then you had yes. the pegs on the side. Um, the back hatch came off to look at the engine. Yes. The giant cannon on the top. That for whatever reason really captured my imagination, and I played with that the AWE Striker and and by because I was one of those kids that was like. Crankcase drives this. Crankcase has to drive this. You know what I mean? Right. He came with it. This is his vehicle. This is his vehicle. Yep. Yeah. Same. So, so <laughs> while the other ones would get to jump out onto like a Cobra tank and do cool stuff, he he stayed behind the wheel the whole time. Um, Armadillo, little tiny tank. That yeah. was awesome. I loved that thing. Uh, little one man tank. Super cool. Um, the bridge layer uh, that came with toll booth. This in in concept. Was amazing, and this is a real thing. I didn't think this was a real. This is a real military thing. This this bridge layer, it, it exists, which right. I did not know. Um, it's got, but the bridge layer is a cool. It's it's almost a cool tank in and of itself. It's got two giant cannons on the side, and then the bridge layer thing. My um, so my house that I grew up in. Later, when I got to junior high, we we tore that house down and and built a bigger one. But essentially, the the house that I lived in from like age four to like age like maybe. 12 or 13 was a camp that we had rented one summer decided that we really liked and my my mom and stepdad offered the guy that we were renting it from to just buy it it was not winterized we had to like do but my stepdad was a construction worker so that was all easy so he you know we we insulated it made it our house 
I did not have a bedroom. So, and then like after we'd been there a year or so, uh, he like cut a hole in the ceiling and then on the, the floorboards up above, you know, the, the stringers that, um, he laid, um, particle board and, and made a floor, uh, so that I had a space. I could not stand up in it, but it was, it was good size. Uh, and it, and the stairs went up through, there's a long story to get to what what I'm getting to, but but that's what we do. So, um, so my stairs came up through and like, then there was the other, it like essentially split the upstairs. I had two sections, one that I really didn't do much with. We used it for storage and one that, um, uh, was like my main area where my bed was and everything. And the stairs came up through. So there's a gap between those two and you either had to come up and climb up on one side or the other. So my stepdad built in between those a little, the gap was too big for the bridge layer, but he put some, he built something out of wood that was perfect for the bridge layer. So I could drive it up, put the bridge out, cover it, and then my stuff could drive to the other side, which was awesome. awesome. It was super <laughs> awesome, and I'll I'll never forget that because it just um it made that toy work for me. And right. something oh, totally. I maybe wouldn't have played very much. It, it ended up being one of my favorite things because it was just super cool that that you could do that. So um so that one that one has a special place in my, in my heart, even though it's not a overall it's not. Really, I don't think one of the more iconic things, although there are probably people out there that have really good memories with it too. Sure. But, um, uh, the Cobra Ferret little ATV, kind of cool. It's fun, Very you know, cool. fun little thing to take outside. Yep. Um, the Mauler tank that came with heavy metal, way cooler tank than the, the Mobat, the original tank. Um, yeah, yeah. Desert tank, bigger cannon, had an, it was again motorized, but, but better. And it had the cool flaps that opened up the the hatches to the tank, and you could put heavy metal and somebody in next to him. That right. was a really cool tank. Did you have that one? I didn't have that one, but uh, a friend of mine, um, you may remember, Aaron Jones, actually did yep. have that one. So I was very thankful to be able to play with that tank in in his place. Yeah, uh, the Moray, the big Cobra hydrofoil, that was cool. I had that. I had that. That was one of my larger ticket items from this series, and that was a again loved it. Uh, had limited applications. Yeah. It was more of a carpet yes. twin toy. If you had a blue carpet, you were all set because yeah. then you could do the ocean stuff with the whale and the more yeah. and stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, but it was cool. It had a ton of stuff on it. It had a ton of missiles. It had like cannon spots for guys to, to sit in and shoot guns. And it had, yeah, I'm just looking at it. had the guy in the, depth in the charges. Depth yeah, charges. Yeah, on top. You yep. could fit like eight to ten guys on this easily. Yeah. And then it had like the, the missile launcher in the front. Oh, and yeah. It, had, like, it pops out. That's right. Back. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. That was very a cool, cool one. Yeah, I like that one. Silver Mirage, an update on the um on the Ram motorcycle, which looked a little cooler, a little sleeker, and had a sidecar with a cannon that the guy could actually ride in, which was cool. Right. Snowcat, definitely top five all time for me. I Same. loved the Snowcat. You too, yeah. I had this, and you know, it was just a you know, I just I remember everything I did with this vehicle. I mean, it became. Synonymous with even though it's a winter vehicle, I use it outside during the summertime. You know, there was there was no oh, yeah. limitations on this thing. <laughs> this thing, um, all terrain, all purpose. You know, it had like the the effect of like the the piston bully in the back and the and the cool vehicle in the front. You know, so I mean, this thing was multi-purpose, multi-application vehicle, and the missiles were just cool. Yeah, and and a a fun neat again the details stuff they didn't need to do that they did. They put a windshield wiper on the front. Yep, the windshield wiper. Yeah, the canopy on the top that opened up was half frosted, and then there was a clear space where the windshield wiper went. Like that was again totally unnecessary, totally awesome. I want to know what what the thoughts were going on in in the the design boardroom. Let's do that because that, like you said, completely 
unnecessary, but added an extra layer of coolness to that vehicle. Yeah, for sure. I, I love the Snowcat, one of my favorites. So Frostbite, the driver, he got a ton of work because, again, that's who he came with. Yep. I mean, he's got to drive that. Uh, tactical Battle Platform. I had this as well. I really, really liked this. It was like a smaller headquarters-type play set. Um, yep. Did you have that or, or played that one? I did have this, yep. Yeah, just a cool thing. It had like had a uh, helicopter, small yeah, helicopter. Yeah, the pad itself was wild. <laughs> yeah, it had like a little little dock bridge thing that that jumped out. It had like four corners with like everything from a laser cannon to missiles, and then it had a cool little like uh, command center in the middle with with yeah. seats and displays. Yeah, really, that was a really fun one. I remember it, it came apart a bunch though because it had all those parts and everything. Yeah, the moving parts. Yeah. Yeah, um, we'll skip over the Holy Grail of G.I. Joe stuff for just a second to, start to talk about the smaller <laughs> stuff. Um, the bomb disposal, I had it. Again, limited application, but kind of a cool little thing. Um, Cobra flight pod, had it. Wasn't crazy about it. Um, Cobra night landing, it's a little raft. Cool, yeah. but again, limited. Limited um, application, yeah. Yeah, uh, weapon transport, which was a little – I liked this. I didn't use it with the little tow thing that had a big bomb on it, but I remember right, just yeah. using it as a little vehicle. Right. Because it had a gun on the front. Um, the blue version of the snake suit, I had one of those. Um, nice. Looked way cooler. Sears exclusives, the the cat, which looks almost like a cross between the Mobat and the, and the Mauler – and then a red his tank. I didn't have those Sears exclusives, and I didn't know anybody that did. No, same. I remember seeing them in the catalog, those big, those mega Sears catalogs we used to get, but didn't have those either. Yeah. Um, then you had little battle stations thing. There's an air defense missile pod thing. I did not have that. Uh, I had the Cobra bunker, which was okay, but it was only like it, it was in like four parts, and I remember it not staying together very well. Um, <laughs> checkpoint I liked. It was kind of like a like a gate and a and a double layered um uh like uh, had a tower on the top with yeah. guns and stuff which which was cool and then you had the little things like the bivouac and the ammo dump yep. and I, I had those you had more battle gear stuff Definitely. all cool stuff yeah um and that stuff wasn't very expensive that's what was great about that like those the ammo dump and the forward observer stuff, those things were probably like at the time probably like less definitely less than 10 bucks i'm going to oh, say like, yeah at a minimum figures yep. were like 3 so yep but the thing that was – I did not have this. I did not know anyone that had this, but the USS Flag aircraft carrier oh was – it was so big. I don't think I would have had a place to put it. No, um, and, so. and I think you know, to some people, and I've, and I've had conversations with others that it's, it was the size of the USS Flag, which was a deterrent for many people. You have to have space, yeah. and, and I don't remember the cost. I remember it being – Expensive back in mid '80s times, oh, yeah. but but nowadays, I mean, this thing is like you know, it's, it's like a, well, like a bar of gold basically. It's the <laughs> yeah. the crown jewel of you know GI Joe collecting of vehicles. Yeah, and it had a ton of stuff. I didn't. I've seen like videos with people like showing them off and stuff. Yes. It had so much stuff. It had a ton of little things that came with it, but also it had like a it had like a um what do you call it? Almost like a like a megaphone. Uh, set within it where you could like like talk into it and and it would you know right um amplify your voice and and came with a cool figure uh admiral keelhaul um i mean the 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 dragonfly helicopter and the sky striker could fit on it that's how big it was the the big airplane and the big helicopter could fit on this thing yeah so, i just remember thinking it was amazing and looking at it in this year's wish book i don't even think i bothered asking for it no it just, it just seemed so here. unattainable right 
Yeah, but um, but cool. I mean, really cool. All right. Any anything else? Any, anything no. else you want to highlight from '85? No, that so, was quite the year. Yeah. So so now we're getting to '86. At this point, I'm in August of that year. I'm 13, so I'm I'm starting to age out, but but not quite yet. This is still one where I had almost everything, um, but I am starting to kind of kind of age out. And um, it's funny, like um. On, on the Nerd Herders podcast when we did G.I. Joe, it was a long time ago now, five, six, seven years ago. I don't even remember. But um, but Dave, one of the co-hosts on that, um, told a story about um, playing with G.I. Joe up until I think he was like 13 or 14, kind of like, like me. But knowing that maybe he should be embarrassed about it. And he had a friend, a buddy whose house he would go to and they would play, but they would only play in the backyard so nobody saw them. <laughs> right. Well, no, it's very funny you say that because, you know, me being an only child as well – you get a little bit of a pass because you can yeah. have control over who sees you doing what. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I did play with G.I. Joe figures probably later than most kids did. And I think, you know, the, the luxury of being an only child is no one's going to catch me doing it. You can do yeah, it right. behind closed doors. You cannot have friends over. You can, you know, yeah. and, I, and I, you know, I enjoyed the collecting uh, portion of it, but also the application and usage and playing of them. Um, but also I'm very sensitive to being seen playing these things. You know, now yeah. we can joke about it. Like, yeah, I played with G.I. Joe figures way into my <laughs> like mid teens. Yeah. But, yeah, but again, it was socially unacceptable. People are more transitioning to other things. You're getting interested more so in dating. And it's like, you can't be dating yeah. a girl and playing with G.I. Joe's <laughs> at the same time. That's right. not going to work. <laughs> right. Yeah. Although it's funny. Cause I was just thinking about, cause I was an only child too, but, um, yeah. If you if you had like a little brother, that would have been even better because then if, if you'd be like, oh, you know, I'm just playing you, with my little brother. Yes. <laughs> yeah. and, well, it's funny because you know a lot of um, my, some of my other friends had younger brothers and sisters, so I think that's how we were able to kind of or me to be able to sway them to hey, let's play action figures with these guys, and you can work that in so you're getting an extra bonus, not like a fetish out of it, but you're actually getting it. <laughs> This is awesome. I'm, I don't have brothers and sisters, but I can use my friends' brothers and sisters to justify playing with action figures a little later on in life that I should yeah. be. <laughs> um, all right, so let's look at the lineup from 1986, Series 5. So you've got the Battle Android Trooper, cool, like, um, robot yeah. Cobra yeah. Trooper. Uh, Beachhead, another uh, Ranger. He was kind of cool. Uh, Dial Tone, another... Um, another like communications trooper, yeah. uh, Dr. Mindbender, another kind of weird Cobra agent, um, general Hawk. You get like the, the Hawk version two with the, the actual stars on the, on his shoulders. Um, iceberg, another, another cold weather trooper. This is where they've kind of replaced the original ones. Yeah. If, you, if you look at it really, mm-hmm. um, Leatherneck, another Marine, yeah. uh, lifeline, another, um, excuse me, another medic. Low light, a sniper, which is kind of yeah. cool. Uh, mainframe was like the computer guy. Uh, Monkey Wrench was another dreadnought. It was nice that they had expanded them. You got a new version of Roadblock, who was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, sci-fi, Laser Trooper, again, replacing Flash from the originals. A right. new Cobra Viper, the new, um, the new frontline troops. Uh, wetsuit, another, you know, um, yeah. underwater specialist. And then you get Zartan's brother and sister, um, uh, Xandar and Zarana. Yeah. Um, which was kind of cool that they expanded that. Um, these other ones here on Yojo, I don't know anything about these special missions Brazil, which were kind of yeah. repaints. Um, 
Vehicle drivers, we'll, we'll go over them when you had the vehicles. Mail-ins, you had Sergeant Slaughter that year. I never had Sergeant Slaughter. Um, okay, that was probably the, my, my crown jewel mail-in character was, which was Sergeant Slaughter. And you know what's really funny? That, in that one, it, that unique one, because the other – the vehicle driver one didn't have the USA. Yeah, that's thing. right. You know what's funny? It's it's funny to me that I didn't have him because, like I mentioned, doing the the rock band or whatever with my yeah. GI Joes. One of the other things that I did with my GI Joes was I had a, my my own wrestling federation, and I I had I used nice. them as wrestlers because I never I hated the I was I liked wrestling. Um, you know that was like the the mid '80s to late '80s I was really following it, but even before then I was I liked it and would watch it on Saturday you know Saturday afternoons or whatever, right. but um. Uh, so I, I use them as, as wrestlers and I had my own little wrestling federation. So it's, it's funny to me. I even made a little ring. Um, and I hate it. That's what I was going to say. I hated the, the wrestling figures that were available at the time. They were sure. like the rubbery yeah. ones and those yeah, may have been yep. later. I don't even remember. But, um, so anyway, I use these as, as wrestlers too. And so it's funny to me that I didn't have Sergeant Slaughter, who's an actual wrestler. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, let's talk about these guys and we'll talk about the vehicles. So, out of this group, again, I'm, I'm starting to not connect as much with them. I definitely liked Monkey Ranch and, and Xandar and Zorana because yeah. expanding on the Dreadnoughts was cool. Um, I liked uh, I liked Low Light because he was a little different, like a like a sniper, and he yeah, keeps, very cool looks sniper. different. Yeah, sci-fi I really liked because again, he's more comic booky and um, real vibrant outfit. Roadblock, always one of my favorite characters, so a new version of him was was a no-brainer. And I really liked the Battle Android Trooper because it, it, it felt like it opened up a different type of play because suddenly you had a little bit more, like, indestructible-type bad guy. Well, you remember in his backpack, he had, like, the two or three different hands that you could yeah. – were replaceable, so you could put them on. And I do remember um, – one of the one of like the little pegs in his backpack, and, and this day I'm still it bothers me broke. So obviously you can't, you couldn't <laughs> yeah. weren't able to put one of the three different hands. Like the there's like a clamp, I think a, another like weapon. There was like a couple different a gun. I think yeah, yeah. there's a gun, a clamp. Yeah, those are the yeah. two I remember. There was probably a third thing too. Right. Um, and came with it, it's it's kind of a gimmicky thing, but it was actually kind of cool. The lenticular chest plate which showed like yes. his inner workings his um yeah. you know, his gears and stuff which was kind of cool yeah completely different from anything that they had done before and a kind of a step forward for you know showing the you know um, an actual robot that is a cobra officer yeah and it's so funny i have a i have a memory tied to the to the bat um like i i again maybe this is being an only child or maybe it's just how my brain works um my gi joe play was that it was a TV series, and I had I had complete creative control, and I had storylines. So mm-hmm. I didn't I I wouldn't just randomly play things. I would have guys get injured, and then I wouldn't use them for a while. I would do things like that, and right. then um and again I don't know if this is an embarrassing thing to admit or not, but 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 something that I remember distinctly in my storylines was that the first time I ever killed off one of the characters and said I'm never going to use this character again was Doc, and I had him <laughs> – there were a bunch of bunch of G.I. Joes that had been uh, ambushed by Cobra. They had been shot and wounded. He's essentially watching over like three or four guys waiting for help to come, and a, and a battle android trooper shows up to finish everybody off, and I had Doc sacrifice his life to save these injured men. That's um, incredible. <laughs> yeah, so for whatever reason, that stands out in my head that, I was, that Doc went out like very nobly. The pacifist, again, to right. – 
Right. Was, I can't even remember how how he took out the bat, but it but it ended up costing him his life. So it's just it's funny that that sticks in my head, very specific to the battle android trooper. Um, you know, remembering that. Um, so yeah, again, I don't know, maybe that's weird, but no, no, like you said, I think one of the benefits to you know having you know expanded lines every year of new GI Joes coming out is we had absolute creative control over the storylines that. We wanted to create yeah. stuff that wasn't in the comic book, stuff that wasn't in the animated TV show. We were able to, and I think w- one of the biggest things that I really enjoyed about it was was setting up different teams of good guys and bad guys. You know, you, Cobra. You could, you know, th- I don't want to say there were limitations. You know, they had a few standout characters, but GI Joe definitely had the more diverse range of individual yeah. officers in their ranks. So you could mix and match, kind of like the, the wrestling thing. You could have different wrestling teams. G.I. Joe, you could pair different years of figures together, and they're all equal fighting on the same side and, and put them on different missions. And I think that was the coolest thing, to have so many different options of, of figurines to put them in different missions and have them sometimes swap you know, swap uh, soldiers out from one mission to the next, replace them for various reasons. So I think that was part of... I think the allure of playing with these these figures so so actively is the, the amount of you know different uh, scenarios you can create and different like you said earlier. I played outside as soon as the weather was good outside. You know, in New England, I was playing outside, building you know building natural forts with twigs and building platforms using moss. You know, finding ideal locations in the natural environment to play with these figures and setting up bases and having, you know, and, and, and sometimes the bases were not right next door. I, w- I would have to maybe walk 10 or 15 feet to have space between to kind of really have, you know, their bases. And, and it was always these natural settings, which I felt, and I became very good at building stick forts with moss and bark and building into the environment to kind of have this, you know, camouflaged, outpost basically where the, the soldiers were, were functioning out of. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that because I, I grew up, you, you lived a little bit more of an, you know, suburban setting. Um, yeah. Whereas I was, I was pretty isolated on the end of a, a dead end dirt road, literally surrounded by woods. And I, I played outside a ton, but I remember it was always really, I was always happy in the spring when the ferns would come up. There were a ton of ferns yes. in our, yeah. and, and they were, <laughs> Like scale wise, they looked really cool with them. Plus, you could like pull them and use them as camouflage and stuff. So, yeah, just being able to play outside, I'm I feel very fortunate for where I grew up that, you know, I I had those opportunities. We had cool places, even when it snowed. I was I was more reluctant to take stuff outside when it snowed because losing stuff. But um, yeah, just being able to to like you said, set up those bases and forts yeah. and uh, stuff outside was super fun. And I also think too. As we're you know a little bit older in the series, you know collecting these, we were definitely more careful taking them outside. I think we realized that that they they were important pieces to us, but at the same point we had to be delicate in how we handled them in you know in natural uh, external environments. Yeah. Um, any standouts from this series five nineteen eighty six? I would I would say you know um, God Beachhead. Uh, Beachhead, Hawk, probably Low Life were my three. <laughs> low Life. I'm sorry, Low, low, low Life. Light. Low Life. Uh, we're we're going to say the, dra- the Monkey Wrench is the Low Life. Low yeah, right. Light. He because was cool, though. I liked him. I liked him as a 
uh, Dreadnought. I, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, like you said um, a few minutes ago, like I'm, you're, we're glad that they continue to keep adding an occasional Dreadnought into the mix, and then obviously bringing the the the, the brother and sister team. Uh, to Xandar, uh, Zorana and Xandar were just awesome as well. I think they got a lot of playtime on the villainy side because they, um, are kind of in the family line. They're masters of disguise, but also part of the, the Dreadnought crew, um, and just, just wild little characters. And then also the, the, the mail-in, um, Sergeant Slaughter, I think was probably, uh, a very heavily played with character because I remember his USA, faded on his front because he was so well played with by me. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's take a look at the vehicles from, from 86. Um, this is again, and, and I, I, and I was thinking about it. I've never thought about it before, but it did just make me wonder, did I have less of these because maybe the people that were buying stuff for me were like, uh, he's getting kind of old. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, cause I'm um, looking, yeah, I had very is, few. Does he still play with toys? Like, <laughs> yeah. I had almost nothing out of this this vehicle set. The air chariot that came with Serpentor, um, I liked him from the comics because he was such a neat character uh, that they had yeah. essentially created mm-hmm. um, out of the DNA of, of you know long dead um, military and other you know historic rulers. Right. So I, I liked Serpentor. He's a little over the top, you know. Right the, the the yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the the devilfish, the small one man boat. I had that. That's it. I didn't have any of these other things. Um, I only had just looking at these. I had the stun, and you know, and I think I had the triple T. I, I think it's funny. I I got the triple T, and I remember this distinctly. I think I was at a lawn sale, and I saw this, and my mom picked it up for me. So that was, I think the, the yeah, the stun and the triple T were really the only ones that I had at this point. You know, kind of. I was always more heavy on the figure purchases. Yeah. And acquisitions, and I'm really glad to know that you had so many of the big ticket items going through. But at the same point, I think it was at around the mid '80s when my acquisitions of you know the the figures continued, but the actual bigger ticket you know uh, you know um, vehicle items were starting to kind of wane a bit. Yeah, um, uh, the the biggest one out of there. There's some cool stuff. The Tomahawk, the double rotor helicopter is pretty huh. awesome. The Havoc's pretty awesome, but the Cobra Terror Drone is that is an item that is worth a lot today i have a buddy that um that has one he although he may have sold it but um but he has one complete and uh, and those go for quite a bit not i don't think they're as big a ticket as the uss flag but they're Mm -hmm. they're pretty valuable um i did have the dreadnought thunder machine with thrasher um just because it looked like such a mad max actually i did i have that yeah okay i didn't scroll down the screen enough yes (laughs) I had that as well, and I agree with you 100% because of the Mad Max-in-styled construct of it, definitely. Yeah, it, it was awesome. I love that. I had the Dreadnought Swampfire, too, the, their helicopter. Um, and then the little battle station things. I think I had the Law, which is like a little cannon emplacement, um, and maybe the Outpost. But, um, yeah, that was that was about it. So this is definitely the point where it's starting to wane right. for me. Um so moving on to 87, Series 6, um, yeah, this is definitely on the downside for me because looking at – I'll go through the figures, and we won't do this for every year because no. Brad and I are going to – we're I think we're both starting to get to the point where 
we didn't have much more of this. And I know there are people that are younger than us where this is more the sweet spot for them. And, sure. you know, I, I apologize that we, you know, probably won't hit some of the things that, that maybe were your favorites. But again, we can't, we can't really speak to it because some, obviously the show is driven by nostalgia and we just don't have a connection with some of the older stuff, unfortunately. But, um, I might even need to click on these guys to figure out who's, I think I can name all these guys. Let's see how we do. Big Boa, who was like the Cobra, um, like trainer. Chuckles, um, the new Cobra <laughs> Commander with the new battle armor. Right. Crazy Legs, a new paratrooper. Uh, Croc Master, the crocodile trainer <laughs> for Cobra. Right, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Crystal Ball, interesting thing about Crystal Ball. Um, Stephen King's son, I believe it was Owen, uh, was a huge G.I. Joe fan. And King got in touch, and Crystal Ball was created by Owen King. Um, wow! And his his file card was um, even written by him. Crystal Balls, and like it even says on the back, like his mom was from Bangor, Maine. Um, so that was kind of cool. Uh, Falcon, who was almost like a new version of of, of um, Flint, really. Flint, yeah. Um, Fast Draw, who was like a like a missile guy. You had Gung Ho in his Marine dress blues. Mm-hmm. Jinx, a cool female ninja. Um, yep. Law and Order, another um, dog, uh, canine unit. Um, Outback, who, he was pretty cool. He was badass. Yep. Yeah. Psych Out, uh, like their psycholo- psychological warfare trooper, warfare. I guess. Raptor, uh, again, starting to get more comic booky and weird, the, the Cobra Falcon <laughs> trainer. Uh, Sneak Peek, um, who was – I think he has a connection to Stephen King too. I think it, I think his name might even be Owen King uh, on the file card. Um uh, then you had a Cobra, the Techno Viper, Tunnel Rat, who's actually based on Larry Hama, um, which is cool. And then the vehicle drivers. There was Sergeant Slaughter's Renegades. Um, yes. I didn't have them, but I remember them. I it's I was very thrilled to actually get those because now uh, they're cool. They're, I, they're cool. Very cool. Um, Mercer. Okay, let me just. I don't remember the other two. Red Dog and Dog, Mercer and yeah, Taurus. Yeah. Yep. They were they were I, the comic. I mean, just looking at this this allotment in '87, I'm I can tell you, you know, I had Falcon, Outback, uh, Law and Order, Tunnel Rat. God, I'm just yeah, and then and then the uh, Sergeant Slaughter's Renegades, and then the Cobra La team. Outside Cobra of that, La, yeah, that's that's where it started to get a little wonky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I like it's funny that you we actually just looking at the different years, we can actually see how deep we were to how we're starting to step back from it a little bit. Yeah, yeah it went much more sci-fi. Cobra Law is almost like an alien type yeah. thing. Battle Force 2000, very sci-fi. Yeah. Um, Mail-ins, the fridge. <laughs> That's cool. I didn't yeah. have him. They did the cool Steel Brigade thing where you could essentially – it was a very generic-looking trooper. looks like it's got parts from um, Airborne and then a mask on. But you could essentially send in, and they would make you a file card of you as a G.I. Joe, which was kind of kind of a cool concept. Um, not anything I did, but um, – Right. No, same. <laughs> kind of neat. Um, so, yeah, there's a bunch of figures I did not have out of this one. Um, but ones that I did have that I do remember liking. Outback, you're right. Outback was awesome. Um, just kind of a cool looking figure. He just looks like a rugged dude. He's just oh, wearing a t-shirt. Yeah. He yeah, was great in the comics. Yes, totally. And, and, and I'm just looking at uh, the uh, additional picture of him with his, his weapon. He had a really cool gun in his backpack, the way it surrounded his body. I mean, he was the yeah. total outdoor survivalist. You know, I kind of looked at him almost like a mixture of gung ho, uh, and rock and roll. It's just like yeah. this badass 
guy who's going to go right through and and take out the enemy. Yeah, yeah, he was cool. Uh, I had Law and Order, who again, I you know, dog. Um, dog combo, I, I think is cool, and he looked he looked kind of cool. Jinx, I definitely had because she was cool in the comics. Um, any ninja figures were always cool. Another female figure, which was nice. Um, yeah, I, I had Tunnel Rat. Um, I had some of these, but I don't I don't remember using these a ton because again, I think I was just right. starting to age out. I never had Cobra La, Battle of Force, um, Slaughter's Renegades. I didn't have it's any of those. Slaughter's Renegades, because yeah. yeah they- they're almost like G.I. Joe's Dreadnoughts. They, they, they came as, I think, a three-pack. I think you're right, yeah. Right, back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, I never had those. Um, Ridiculous guns, but yes, very <laughs> cool nonetheless. I mean, they were I, – yeah, I think this was this, this was the, 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 the part of the G.I. Joe collecting and, and playing phase where I realized that I probably shouldn't be playing with them at this point, but they're still yeah. cool in my mind. <laughs> so if I can do it alone without anyone around <laughs> – I can get away with this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, looking at the vehicles, um, I had the Persuader, the big tank. Uh, and the only other thing I have, and I, I'm, I have a very strong memory that this is the last item that I ever got that was like of a large size was the Cobra Mamba, the helicopter with the two like side pods that came off. And I distinctly okay. remember yep. my stepdad bringing it home for me. And me being like, oh, that's cool, but I'm. I think I was just on that edge of being like, I think I'm done. So right. I kind of felt guilty about it because it was a, you know, a pretty good size item. Um, yeah, I didn't. I didn't have any of the Battle Force 2000 stuff. Um, yeah, I'm like looking at. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I. Well, there's a dreadnought cycle, like a I trike. Did I didn't have know that. They, yeah, okay, so I, I didn't did, know I did they have did that. Okay. One item from this entire vehicle line <laughs> that shows, you know, I was, you know, definitely figure centric. But yeah. also at the same point, I'm um, starting to, like you, fade myself out of the the toy collecting on this side of it at least. Yeah. Uh, jumping to 88, I'm guessing. I mean at this point I'm I'm 15. I, I don't think I have – Let me look. Oh, no. I was going to take that back. I had, um, I had hit and run. This is exciting because now we're like, okay, what did we have at this point? Okay. I, I had hit and run and I had the new Storm Shadow. I definitely oh, had those two. All right. Um, I'm – Going to go on – oh, my God. I guess I did play with these a little bit longer than I expected. <laughs> I I had Budo, uh, Hardball. Oh, my God. I had Repeater. Jesus, I guess I did have Muskrat. I definitely had Shockwave, Spearhead, and Max, uh, Storm Shadow. Yeah, shit. <laughs> I guess I was still collecting these. Fuck, Brad. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Uh, yep. I guess I was still deep in it. I thought I was. I thought I was getting out in '87. Clearly, still deep into it in '88. I'm afraid what '89 is going to look like. <laughs> I um, yeah, it was definitely limited for me. I, I had hit and run. He's kind of cool looking. Um, uh, Storm Shadow. It's a new Storm Shadow. You know, again, yeah. cool stuff. A cooler bow than the original one. Um, surprised I didn't have. Again, I, I must not have just been getting much in general because I'm surprised I didn't have Road Pig because he was another. I actually talk. I did have Road Pig, and Road Pig had. Like this battle hammer thing. That was you, it like a cinder block on a stick? It was like a cinder block <laughs> on, on the end of a metal. Yeah, it was wild. Yeah, he was uh, so ridiculous. And he had like these arm protector things. I mean, completely unrealistic. But he was, I think, he was my answer to Sergeant Slaughter in size wise because he was definitely a larger character. Um, and I'm just having a moment of reflection here. I'm getting nervous as we approach like uh, 89, uh, and because I, I'm starting to remember other characters that I think are coming that I still collected. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> uh, 
Um, Vehicle-wise, for 88... um, Oh, yeah, I think I was way out at this point. Yeah, I don't think I had anything at this point. Yeah, none of these look familiar to me. Nope, they're very (laughs) foreign-looking. Yeah, I remember they did the Tiger Force thing. They they redid a bunch of stuff, like the helicopter and the snowcat in... um, like in Tiger Force colors, um, again didn't didn't um, didn't have them, but um, but they they look cool. Um, yeah, I think I think that's that's probably the tail end for me. So jumping ahead to eighty nine, I'll be curious to see if there are anywhere. I'm like, oh wait a minute, yeah, no, I don't even recognize a lot of these. Um, I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Okay, own it, Brad. Okay. Uh, I'll- I, I can uh, tell you, yeah, I think I I'm the, out at this point. Had, you dick. <laughs> <laughs> I had the Dreadnought Nahide. Oh, God. I had Recoil. I had Rock and Roll the version 2 because he had this sweet, like, metagun thing. Backpack was cool. The double and, like, oh, the, yeah, look at that. the, 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 That's the cool version of Rock and Roll. Cool. Yeah. So I had, I think those were the only three Joes. I'm just going to look down at the vehicle drivers. And yeah, no vehicle drivers. None of the Night Force. Yeah, I mean, I clearly was, you know, I was phasing out at this point uh, in 89, but I definitely had those three. And I don't even remember, and I don't think I got them in real time. I think I may have gotten them a little bit after, yeah. you know, sometime later from their release, but they were still act around. But yeah, his... Weapon, you know, for uh, for rock and roll was just completely absurd, but it's very cool yeah. and like this metagun repeater type thing. But yeah, I think eighty. It's funny, you know, with the uh, the fall of communism in eighty nine was the fall <laughs> of my interest in GI Joe. I mean, jeez, <laughs> Yeah, I'm definitely out at that point. There's none yeah. of these that I had. Um, but it is interesting to see they definitely went a more sci fi route, huh? Yeah, I mean, I mean, completely with like the color scheme. Are just insane, you know. Yeah, on some yeah, of these bright, bright, vibrant colors. You're right. Super vibrant colors, and I'm, you know, and I'm just looking at like the Snake Eyes, the version three of him. I mean, he's like a mixture of the original character with elements of the version two in him. You know, definitely yeah. more articulated, kind of cool looking. Surprised, I, you know, surprised I didn't have him, but probably better that I didn't. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a new stalker. I didn't even know there was a new stalker in there too. Interesting. Yeah, I'm not not crazy oh, yeah. about that that outfit. Um, no, that no, that's he looks like he's more like an office position at this point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Stalker version two comptroller. Um, <laughs> Where's the TPS report? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I think uh, I'll take a peek at ninety, but I'm I, yeah, I, just for shits and giggles. Let's you know, yeah, take a peek. Yeah, at I know none of these. Looks like they redid a bunch. Um, let's see. I'm afraid to look. I'm I'm afraid to. I'm afraid to out myself because I don't. And want some to of the characters it. I know because I was still reading the comic. Um, oh but shit! I wasn't, I wasn't playing with the the stuff anymore. But all right, I okay, th- okay. This is an indicator of where I stood. I only had one character in ninety. Jesus Christ, Brad! You played with these for a long time. <laughs> it was it was uh, it was uh, where is he? Yeah, it looks like a lot. Of, Ambush, I think, was the only one I had. From this line, just looking at his additional pictures. Yeah, because he had like a, a, a unique kind of chili suit, bivouac style thing. Yeah, he oh, was yeah. the only one I had from '90. So I, you know, I held on for as long as I could. Yeah, none of these other ones look all that familiar. Although they do look cool, some of them. Yeah, you know, yeah. but they are starting to get more into that animated color, different color scheme, repetition of 
previous characters' bodies and whatnot. Yeah, so okay, I was official. I will. I would say I was officially out in '89. But um, the one character pulling from '90, I will say I did have. So <laughs> <laughs> nice. Ah, uh, it's cool though. And again, you know, apologies to anybody who who played with these, you know, beyond there that that we're not touching on because we at this point we just don't have any connection to right. to the ones yeah. from no, that it's point. Amazing. Um, I mean, I mean, Jesus, we went up to what eighty nine, ninety. We graduated high school in ninety one. Right, <laughs> so. I know. Right, and yeah, and getting yeah. away with that shit, you know, <laughs> socially social pariahs. You guys, well, you're playing with action figures still. No, but I do admit. <laughs> or not um later on many many years later you know just looking at you know for instance 91 i mean this was like i would say when it, you know probably 20 years later i went and bought a few more gi joes just because i thought they looked cool yeah. uh, not to play with because i was at that point i was probably in my mid-30s or yeah mid-30s completely socially unacceptable to play with action figures <laughs> much about kids um where it's not where you know you can get away with it but yeah i had a few that i collected after the fact that I think were purchased off of eBay because I just thought they were neat looking. Um, yeah. and well, and I, they've, they've reissued them and like yeah. they did the anniversary ones and I bought a bunch of those. And I was in Walmart like a week or two ago and saw the reprint of the Hiss Tank. And I'm, it's, oh, wow. I had it in my hand. It's 20 bucks, And in my head, I'm like, it was yeah. that yeah. angel devil thing. On, yes. on one hand, I'm like, I want this so badly. And then on right. the other hand, the practical part is like, what are you going to do with it? Yeah, you can display it, but then what? Right. They've put out a bunch more. Do you get a bunch of them? So right. I ended up holding off partly too, because I, I know I've heard that um, <laughs> they're hard, they're hard to find. So like, oh, if really? I'm like, oh, I got the his tank, but it's like, oh man, I really want this. And then it's like, I can't find it at you know, regular retail, and then I'm paying more for it, and then it's it's just a slippery slope. I I managed to avoid. <laughs> and but I, I will tell you, it's the same packaging and everything. It was so hard for me to so, not pick it up. So to know, yeah, to not slide back. Like I can do this without yeah. judgment. <laughs> I have two right, boys. It's a collector's item. Right, right. Yeah. But it, yeah. uh, but I, I would think after, and I'm just doing like a just a, a early quick scan of the. I did the ones I did collect, which I thought were kind of neat, um, and they were carried out fairly well in in the comic books. Was the the, um, the Russians version yes, of the October October Guard. Guard. Yeah. I did. I bought. I remember buying those as a three pack, and then there was a couple other characters. Red was it Red Star or Big Bear that were yep. not included yep. in that pack, but were kind of Russian related. So I yeah. did have those, but those were purchased well after the fact. Didn't really get to play with them. Those were more display yeah. for me because I think those were like in the early, like, 92, 93 era. But I thought the October Guard characters were pretty cool because um, they just were the smaller version, smaller ticket crack commando answer to the entire G.I. Joe yeah. universe. And and they did uh, – you know, I, I remember a few of my comic books that did have those, have them, you know – featured fairly prevalently across a couple issues was always cool. And then when they finally released the, the, the uh, action figures, I figured I, I'm going to pull the trigger. I'm going to do this, not play with them, of course, but just to have them, just to <laughs> yeah. have them. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And there's cool, like, um, I can't remember what they're called, but there's like a collector series version now that are even more detailed and articulated. And it's, it's a toy line that I don't think is going to go away because, um, no. you know, there's, there's people our age who are very nostalgic for them, but then, you know, they also have a good playability for, for kids. And that was something that was really cool to me was I saved all my GI Joe stuff. And then when my kids were the right age, 
we like I had them, you know, in my basement and we we took a day and um I literally put stuff in the bathtub because it was so dusty and so we yeah. we cleaned a bunch of stuff up and then nice. I just um down in the basement that was before we put the, the hardwood in we had just you know carpet and it was a nice you know nice play space for the kids and we just spread it all out and and my my kids would they they played with that GI Joe stuff a ton and it was just really awesome. it was it was heartwarming for me because they were having a bunch of ton a bunch of fun with stuff that had meant so much to me, but also it was interesting in that it's like without having seen the cartoon, without having read the comic book, they naturally gravitated to characters that I loved. Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow were were hugely popular with them. Like they liked Roadblock. They liked like stuff like that was really cool because it's like, okay, there's something in these characters, whether it's the design or whatever it is, that's just intrinsically cool. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. So they, yeah, they played with the GI Joe uh, stuff a ton, and then I think it was two years ago. I made when you know they had aged out; they don't play with that stuff anymore. Um, I made the decision. I was like, I was like, it, it will be hard for me to sell it, but at the same time, I have no reason to hang on to it anymore. I can't display it all, and I knew it was going for quite a bit. I had almost all of my weapons, so I'm like, I'm gonna get a lot for this, and I think. Yeah. I think all told, I sold the figures separately, I sold the vehicles separately, and I sold the the headquarters separately. I think all together I made like twelve hundred bucks. Wow. So, yeah. So that was, and that helped me. Like I, I went to, you know, that helped me pay for Dragon Con that year and all that type of sure. stuff. And um, and I felt okay about it. Even like there was part of me that was like, oh, this this is like literally selling off a big chunk of my childhood. No. But at the same time. I, I I think I would have had a harder time had my kids not played with them. But no, that's but, great. No, it's it's important. Yeah. It's an important part of you know young boys, obviously and girl development to have you know action figures of whatever they're whatever they're accustomed to, but also because that it's it's coming down as a a family almost like an heirloom, so to speak, right? Uh, of an era for which they were not around to be able to touch and feel and play with it. It's just, you know, it's a remarkable feeling to be able to share that. Absolutely. And it, and it's, it speaks to the quality of those toys that they were a still in good shape. I took good care of my toys, same. but at the same time they were durable enough. Um, you know, we had to replace a, you know, an, a, the rubber bands here and there, but I, I went in and did that. You can actually buy a little rubber washer gaskets, yes, I think, totally. in the hardware store that, yep. that work perfectly. <laughs> we replaced a few of those, but it also speaks to the, um, uh, how well they were made that my kids who had modern toys that they played with still liked these old ones that didn't have like bells and whistles and stuff. They were just very simple, straightforward, well-made toys with cool characters. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so yeah, so that was, that was good. So, so did you um, sell, like when you said you sold them, <clears throat> like, cause I pretty much before I moved to California back in, I think it was 2012 I moved here, but it was 2010, 2011 was when I decided I need to kind of part ways with the toys. I knew at that point I'm probably not going to have kids to share these with, and I wanted to make sure I got, A, a pretty penny for them, but B, it goes to the right people. So I did a bunch of lots on eBay um, for a lot of, like, the Mego dolls, yep. the G.I. Joe figures, yeah, the Star Wars. So I, I did a massive childhood purge. But thank God the advent of the internet and, you know, and being able to, um, 
reflect and like the site, the yojo.com is a fantastic resource to be able to review and view and remember yeah. and that walk down memory lane to, you know, because, you know, I would, I would absolutely need a, a small addition to my apartment to be able to <laughs> showcase this. And I respect yeah. people who do display their toys and do, you know, continue and, and, and maintain that connection to them. But, you know, I, it was a, fa- it was a very, commendable and enjoyable phase of my life to be able to grow up and play with these. But at a, at a certain point I had to, I had to cut ties because I just couldn't take everything with me. So selling was the only option. And like you did make a very pretty penny from the, the group auction sales that I did back in the day. And that helped fund me getting to California for where I now am. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think you bring up a good point about the internet being a good source because, um, Nostalgia wise, I can, there's a bunch of channels that I watch on YouTube that are, that show old Mego stuff, old Shogun Warriors, all the, just being able to watch it and be like, oh man, I remember that, or I had a buddy that had that, or that's valuable too. I don't necessarily need to own those things, but I can enjoy that other people collect them and make videos about them. And that's, there's, there's something to be said for that because I think that's valuable too. Right. It's a part of, it's it's vintage history being carried out in modern times for us to all appreciate. Like you said, we don't necessarily need the material goods. We had a lot of material goods, um, but at the same point, the fact that you know technology has enabled more people to come together to be able to share in these you know wonderful shared experiences because there were millions of us out there. You know, we were just two of very many people that were collecting Joes and having you know elaborate schemes and 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 uh and playing outside and so forth so i mean it's amazing to be able to share these thoughts and see how other people did and collected and hear their thoughts and values on what they did as kids uh during the you know the 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 high the high tide of uh geo joe collecting yeah yeah for sure this is uh and it was probably inevitable but this is our easily our longest episode so (laughs) So, (laughs) but um yeah, no, I th- it was, and it's one that we've been looking forward to, and it was one that when I pitched the idea of the podcast to you, it was front and center. It's like, hey, we're going to talk about GI Joe and you know all the stuff that was important to us when we were kids. So we, uh, you know, Brad and I very much were looking forward to this one, and obviously we went on and on, as you can tell. Our our love for GI <laughs> Joe is pretty strong. Still, it still it still it still hangs very heavy on us, which is great. But it, you know, this you know this was in completely beautiful walk down memory lane, looking at the figures, looking at the weapons, looking at the the vehicles, and remembering storylines that we created that weren't in the comics or in the animated show or, you know, eventually in the movies many years later. Yeah, this was a, a, a really, really, really wonderful thing to do with you, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I enjoyed that a lot. Um, we haven't really talked about what we'll do next month. Maybe it'll be time to go back to a movie or something, but we'll, um, we'll figure something out. But in the meantime, we'll, um, we'll be back soon. And, uh, yeah, again, thanks, Brad, for this. This was a super fun one for me. I mean, obviously, G.I. Joe, very, very important to, to me from the comic book to the toys and everything. So, um, this was, I, I had a ton of fun doing this. Same. Thank you, sir. <laughs> awesome. Well, that is it for uh, this episode of Ego. We hope that you will come back and listen again next month. We thank you very much for your support, and I, I thank my co-host, Brad Anderson, as always. And after this, you know how much we love G.I. Joe, and knowing is half the battle.
You've been listening to Ego, the 80s Geek Out podcast with Ian Clark and Brad Anderson. We are a part of the Freebooters Network. Check out thefreebootersnetwork.com to listen to all the awesome podcasts on the network. We also invite you to check out our sponsor, Geek Nation Tours, at geeknationtours.com and interact with our Facebook page, ask questions, offer comments, and critiques. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.